This is a special episode. I was invited on to chant it down with Loomis to discuss Bass is Fake or debunking the fact that it's not fake. And I was joined by Loomis, David Whitehead and Joshua Reed. And look, we got together over this interesting topic. However, it went so many other places and only a meeting of the minds like this can take it. Because there is a psychological, there's a mental, there's a, there's a number of different aspects to when we think about these narratives and these theories. That's enough out of me. No music with this one because Loomis does an excellent job. I love his beats. Thank you very much, Loomis. And thank you for allowing me to share the audio with my awesome listeners as well. Make sure you follow Loomis, chant it down, send him some support, give him reviews, give him five stars. He's an awesome guy. And I appreciate his time and look forward to working again with him in the future. Look after yourselves, stay safe, be kind, be cool. Be disciplined, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Up, don't get all tied up, hoping you wise up the multiple lies of the multifaceted, multi-complex system of living that people are living. Stuck in inertia, that's a diversion. Government worship, instead we are searching. Ancient mysteries, ancient history, sacred energy, and how to discern it. Human autonomy, truth of philosophy, UFOlogy, human psychopathy, super anomalies, human ecology, you got lobotomies up in your consciousness. All the thoughts that we've been dancing around the system wants to blow your candle out, but we won't let it. We reject it with our pathetic lies, so we chant it down. Chant it down, podcast, Welcome to Chant It Down Radio, where we deprogram from the deep program. This is episode 206. I'm Lewis. I'm your host, and ChantItDownRadio.com is the website. Today, I got a great show for you. We're going to dig into a subject that I've been wanting to cover for a long time, and I want to say that the purpose of the truth and freedom movement has been to get the truth out to the public that is uninformed so that more people can understand the situation that humanity is in. And I signed up a long time ago to do just that, to go where the research takes me, has always been the motto by uh, keeping on researching and never stop learning. But as years have gone by, certain perspectives have grown out of this movement based on flawed research. And I might even add deliberately placed in this movement to divide and conquer so we don't all unite and get on the same page. And one of those is the space is fake crowd, which is attached to the perspective of flat earth. And I see how people have gotten there. We've been lied to about just about everything. And yes, NASA lies to us and we'll get into that. And there is a lot of common ground we share here 
all of us when we search for the truth. But we're not here to be divisive. There are many good people who believe this space is fake. And I think it's important to question everything. I encourage it. It's even good to turn things on their head one more time, kind of like detective does. But it's also equally important to do good and thorough research, not just read social media posts, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos and look into something for like a day, but actually read multiple books, study cultures, civilizations, mythology, and, and keep a healthy, skeptical, but rational mind. Not good math based on bad assumptions, incomplete assumptions, lack of complete scientific knowledge, and oversimplifying things with absolutes. That's what's going on with the space's fake narrative. And today, mm -hmm. I and others are going to make the claim that this is put out there deliberately to make the truth movement look bad and to help people who might start to question things and go down that path right off the whole movement because of extreme points of view like space is fake and earth is flat. Even though there are more pressing issues out there to cover in this crazy time we're living in, this is one that does need to be exposed. And I've invited a great panel of guests who are thousands and thousands of hours deep into the subject alone amongst many other subjects. Today, we're going to try to shed light on this misconception out there. And I have today... David Whitehead, returning guest to uh, the Truth Warrior podcast out of Canada. I got Triffin of Unlocking the Code podcast out of Australia and Josh Reed of the Red Pill Projects out of New York State, who is a newcomer to the show. I want to welcome all of you to Chan It Down Radio. I'm looking forward to an awesome discussion with you guys about this. So thanks, guys, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. This will be great. Yeah. It's great to meet all of you, by the way. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, boys. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I feel like I've selected just the right crowd for this. All of us are deep into the the research. And, you know, like I say, we're not here to make enemies, uh, even though they may come about from, uh, we, you know, people are not going to go away from their unwavering belief systems. But we're trying to defend important works and help those from going down bad cul-de-sacs of reachers. So what I'm going to do here is I got a handful of different specific strands about the space's fake theory I'd like to pass around to you guys and we'll start there and we'll move into a bigger, more maybe free-flowing discussion about this entire topic, but try to stay on course. So um, let's start with one of the biggest reasons that people are saying space is fake, and that is the fake NASA videos. And I'm sure all of you've seen this. And one of the claims about space being fake is that they are filming things in a swimming pool, which they do apparently train and it's called the neutral buoyancy laboratory and that's where they practice uh spacewalk training and this is where they work on an exact replica of the iss space station but the claim is that they are actually showing us underwater footage then changing the background of space later and if these videos are fake which they could be and to give the space is fake belief people a little credit nasa has a lot of inconsistencies they lie like every other compartmentalized government agency. And it really does look like some of these videos are fake, but even if all of their videos were fake, how does that make space fake? And, you know, I've, I've thought with my conspiracy mind, if some of these videos are fake, is it maybe that they don't want us to really see what's up there? I've thought that too, or maybe there's a ton of UFO and secret space program things they can't show us, or maybe NASA is not even allowed up there anymore, but that's just going out on a limb. I mean, there are thousands of space videos where there's no uh, bubbles or debris going in strange directions. But let's start here with the idea that these videos are all fake to trick us to think space is real. And that sounds pretty ridiculous, just coming off my tongue. But uh, whoever wants to go first, let's talk about that. Uh, I'll touch on this real quick. 
is the big problem that I see here within this level of cognitive distance, and this is what we were just talking about a second ago, is if NASA is faking space, that still does not equate that the Earth is flat. Correlation does not equate causation, right? So, so just because NASA is faking some videos or faking the moon landing or whatever it might be, doesn't mean the Earth's flat. I mean, and that's what they utilize as one of, well, Matt, have you seen, that's what Flat Earth Dave said. Have you seen these videos? NASA, they're not even up in space. And I said, Dave, it has nothing to do with the Earth being flat. Just because NASA fakes a few videos doesn't mean that the Earth is flat. It means that there's probably something bigger going on that they had to bring this down and do it within their, their, their water lab or whatever. Or maybe there's just, you know, things that are happening in space that, uh, you know, we don't really truly understand because we're not space scientists, right? Like, mm. it, it does not make it Earth flat just because they fake a video. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's totally true. I think there's two questions, right? So, is there CGI fake videos put out by NASA? I would say absolutely yes, without a shadow of a doubt, okay? But does everything they put out is fake? I mean, there was a time where I had an office job and I used to keep the ISS feed up on one of the screens that I had just for fun, you know? In saying that, there was at least four times when I used to watch that feed that it was cut because something weird came into the screen, right? I've, I've seen that actually live a few times just by sitting in an office chair looking at it, right? Uh, but is it all fake? I don't think so. You know, it, you know, I'm looking at, I've got some telescope photos here. I've got photos of Venus. I've got photos of Jupiter. Now, they're not great, however, and how we join spaces fake and flat. I mean, the flat Earth thing, I, I, was, I was trying to bring the meme up earlier, but off the bat, my favorite flat Earth thing, and I, might, I don't know if it was flat Earth Dave, but it was another guy who was a prominent flat Earth guy who raised 60 grand or something through like that through GoFundMe to prove the Earth was flat and he proved it was round. <laughs> that, well, he's the one that bought the laser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the number one thing I go, listen, you want to argue with me about flat Earth? Here you go. This guy actually spent 60 grand to disprove his theory. You know, I, do we have a deeper understanding of space and you know as i say i don't think there's two questions are they releasing fake footage cgi footage uh edited footage there's there's a different question but i don't think it's fake i think that's it's one of those things where i thought space is fake is one of the most ridiculous topics i think i've covered <laughs> and uh however as with all things, as Loomis started this podcast, he said, we've got to be objective. We've got to look at things from all perspectives. So that's what I've been doing. I did it a few weeks ago in prep, and then last night and this morning, I, I run through everything and looked at a bit more stuff. There's definitely questions that need to be asked, right? I don't think, and is it the disinformation, disillusionment of everything that causes these theories to, to take flight, you know, which that's an interesting question there too. Yeah. Oh, great points. I was just thinking as you guys were talking there. Um, yeah, like definitely when you start painting a general brush over every piece of footage you're going to see from NASA, and NASA seems to be the main target for mm -hmm. these uh, this idea, right? For either one, space is fake, flat earth, doesn't matter. NASA is the target because uh, we know there's a lot of suspicious things that have gone on with NASA. We know NASA has lied, but we know also uh, actually, Josh and I had, we did a few episodes. We're going to bring it back in the fall of something called the Mars Chronicles. 
And we started digging up uh, Richard Hoagland's work and and talked to people like Mike Barra and brought just different perspectives on. And we're going to continue to do that. But uh, one thing that I learned from not just reading Hoagland, but talking to many other people throughout my career is that NASA isn't this public space agency that everybody is presented with. So that's a, that's sort of a point for the idea that there's something going on that's not um, out there for the general public. The general public has the impression, just like with every other major institution, that it's run exactly the way that it's portrayed to be run. When we know, no, there's a major DOD, you know, Pentagon, intelligence, uh, military, compartmentalized military structure that's at work in NASA. And that's only the beginning. I mean, we can get into some of the Masonic connections, some of the history with the Nazi regimes and everything else. Mm. But aside from even all of that, they're not the only space agency on the planet. And when you say, when we say NASA, we're not just talking about the little compartmentalized group of whoever really controls what goes out and what doesn't. We're talking about thousands of independent scientists, people that are just good people, show up for work. They love this stuff. They're in there. They're working. Um, I don't believe that the, everybody's in on that gigantic conspiracy. It couldn't be that way. And if there was any kind of conspiracy or any kind of cover-up, it would be compartmentalized, which is the way you know any military structure or informational structure, intelligence structure works. That's how, and I'm I'm a big I'm a big conspiracy guy. We talk about everything, big pharma, you know, the government, 9-11, doesn't matter. Um, but I still you still have to have a certain degree of nuance in your research so that you're not painting a big brush over one thing and then concluding, like what Josh was saying, oh my God, space is fake. Uh, well, we might say, well, some of the footage you're pointing at is questionable. And I've even seen some of these videos. And I've also seen the refutation videos that are done by other independent journalists that look at it and go, no, that's not what's going on in this video. And what I feel like is happening with so many subjects is a disconnect between the people that are espousing the theory, the people that are refuting it. And there's not always a clear line of research presented to say some newbie that's like, I just want to know what's going on with this subject. So hopefully we can clear some of that up. But I just wanted to say, when we say NASA, we're talking about um, a lot of different compartments to it, including a lot of just average scientists and astronomers and people that are involved with it that are on the lower level that uh, you'd think after all this time, we would have way more whistleblowers coming out to Project Veritas or whatever, or something like that, that would be exposing it to a greater degree. And uh, we still don't have that. So- there's a few different points we can chew on on, on there. So, yeah. I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, these are all incomplete assumptions. And like you said, David, painting with a broad brush, these people mm. just come and they oversimplify things. Uh, but when we go into like faking NASA, NASA faking things, I mean, they've kind of all always done that. There's a lady, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, Donna Hare. And she had secret clearance in the 70s, supposedly, as a, as, a, as a NASA contractor. She was shown satellite images of UFOs and was, was explained that it was a technician's job to airbrush any evidence of UFO to yes. NASA photos before they were made public. So they, we, they've been hiding stuff since their inception, I would say. Yeah, there's been an editing program for all pictures that came off the moon or wherever that has been in place forever that they edit yeah. photos before they send them out. So, but I like what Dave's saying. There's a whole heap of independent scientists, astronomers, you know, amateur people that are just want to just love like looking at space, right? I mean, I've got 
As I say, I've got a, I've got a, I actually accidentally caught a meteorite tumbling through Space Boys. I could show you that picture. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, how do you write all that off? Just because this is this, that is that. I think that, that there's a psychological aspect to this. There's a psychological psychological aspect to any of the crazy shit that's going on right now, right? We can't talk about mental health, okay? You know, where do you, how do you need to get to between flat earth and space is fake and join those two together? What's going on in your life? You know, how do you feel? You know, what, <laughs> you know, if, if you've adapted these crazy ideas and you can lay that over everything else. But as far as the space is fake stuff, you've got to bring dic- disclosure into it. I mean, last night in Australia, Channel 7 News, which is one of our main news stations, had an extended piece on the fact that UFOs and UAPs are real. Now, we've been told until, you know, until whatever, until the insane chaos that took place over the last few years that UFOs aren't. But half, I love that. It was May 2020, I think, they dropped it. Oh, yeah, UFOs are real, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. So what what David was just saying there was really interesting because I went to college at the um, CU Boulder, uh, the University of Colorado at Boulder, which is one of the big NASA hubs for engineering. So they design a lot of the satellites, a lot of the telescopes. And you got to think about this outside of NASA. Think about how many industries have risen up. Think about how many universities have astronomers, cosmologists, engineers that are out there building the things that go up to space, building the telescopes, building the satellites. You're talking about probably $80 billion a a year industry. And and then the flat earthers would say is that, well, follow the money. Well, no, these engineers aren't getting paid billions of dollars to be quiet, you know, and they're sitting there and they're doing the analytics. They're, they're watching these things launch They're doing all their tests. They're testing for the conditions in space. And Mm. and so it's just absurd that we would have such a large market dynamic. We'd have so much academia involved in the venture of space Mm -hmm. when space is really fake. And there's this big conspiracy. You're talking about millions of people over the last two decades who've worked in this industry. And you're telling me not one of them have come out and said, Oh man, it's all fake. Uh, you know, they paid me off an extra thousand dollars a month to, to stay quiet. None, zero. Yeah. All, all, everything that we built just in a warehouse. We didn't actually send anything up there. It's all just there in a warehouse doing something. Like, and the is that what, is that what, what about other space agencies as well? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other space yeah. agencies. And what about the history of astronomy? What about um, like they all talk? Everybody points because this is going to dovetail a bit between the flat Earth and the space is fake because they're in the same camp. It's the same thing to me. And they like to talk about, oh, they, they're disproving, uh, what's his name, your Asthmus or whatever, the, the experiment to sh- with the shadows and all that. And you're like, well, when you go back to, the, say, the ancient Bach peoples of uh, you know, Europe, they, they, I spoke to some of the, uh, the, the lineage people that are still around. And this is one of the mm-hmm. oldest traditions in Europe. A lot of people in Europe don't even know about it, the Bach saga. And the yeah. Bach peoples, all of their mythology is based on spherical planets and the fact that the earth is, they're into the sort of cavernous earth concept, right? Um, and then you go into India and I've even got notes with the guy's names. I can't even pronounce like these guys in India, they found this stuff thousands of years before, mm-hmm. um, you know, and on and on we can go. There's a good book called, I can bring it up. If you look at a book called uh, the great idol, the great idol of Tiwanaku. Mm-hmm. Um, they were recording back in, t- in, in the, these Latin American countries, they were recording the fact that the earth was 
spherical using calculations. So there's missing pieces to history that don't even get into the discussion. What that you, indicate you're, you're that you're people on this planet, people on this planet have figured out that we're living on a that we're in a multi we're in a, a universe that is mm-hmm. much larger than just our little geocentric stationary disk planet or whatever that yeah. people have been thinking outside the box. So this debate didn't just start in 2014 when it suddenly became popular online. This discussion about our cosmos, our reality, our planet, what the nature of reality is, it's been going on for a long time. And uh, it, they like to say all the ancient cultures were all flat earthers. That's just simply not the truth. That That's is deep, a reading yeah, from mainstream yeah. historians that bastardize even what you're looking at out of the Egyptian cosmology when they like to say, oh, mm-hmm. the Egyptians were all flat earthers. Not all of them were. Well, that wasn't you know, the way they looked. To so, your point right here, Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Okay, how about this? For any flat earther out there who knows that the pyramids exist and believes that the pyramids were built with a special code hidden in them, Grand Hancock has brought the attention to the 43,200 multiple pertaining to the Great Pyramid. Mm -hmm. If you multiply the 43,200 multiple times the height of the Great Pyramid, you get the polar radius. Yeah. You multiply it times the base, you get the equatorial radius. You can only have that radius if the earth is round. There's no polar radius on a flat earth. That's right. You, you, you're delving into my work now too. I mean, you can't take out the ancient Sumerians. They they right. worship the stars, right? They you can't. How does every single megalithic site on the planet line up to winter solstice every year if we don't go around? You know what I mean? Like you can stand at Stonehenge and it hits the middle stone. Like that's there's a festival that's held. These the, you know, and that and then multiply that through India, through um, you know, through America in Australia, like. There's all these things that are lined up to constellations that they couldn't line up to the constellation if we weren't going around, you know, like that's the reason it happens. And then you go back in these ancient civilizations, not only did they worship the stars, there's a civilization before the one, the alignment that we have where all their alignments are out. They actually like Gobekli Tepe lines up to the previous North Star, not the current North Star. Well, yeah. that, that is an astronomical playground there and, and they deny procession as well exactly procession they, they believe yeah. the stars are just fixed in the sky but we have monuments on this planet that represent of stars in various them. different um mm-hmm. various different positions i mean you have mm-hmm. the great sphinx which is placed exactly where it was ten thousand five hundred years ago where the constellation of Leo. would have yeah. been mm-hmm. on the processional uh on the processional cycle of the the, mm-hmm. the equinox so, and yeah, you'd have to throw out all of astronomy, astrology, astral theology, mm-hmm. the fact that all of these st- sites, and I've been to uh, Britain, I've been to Stonehenge, Ireland, some of these places, and seen these monuments and the alignments. And we were actually in Ireland um, during the Beltane, the, the period of Beltane, yep. where the ac- we actually got to see the sun and the moon hitting the same central stone pillar right in the dead center. And you're thinking, this is yep. built thousands of years ago, and it's thousands. still hitting it. You go to Newgrange, man, the whole thing is built so that the sun actually hits the floor, casts a light right down the beam of light, right down this little hallway that hits this rock on the other end. And it's just like, you sit back and you go, I think there's something way bigger and way juicier for people to sink their teeth into than just equating that all of reality has is fake. And now I'll say something real quick, just in terms of 
I'm not here to attack anybody's belief system. I actually encourage people to take a critical view of what they're being told from any kind of source. You should learn how to develop yes. critical thinking. Crit- critical thinking is one yeah. of these keys, isn't it? Yeah, you, exactly. You, you have to challenge these people. We have been lied to, especially now. And I can see why a lot more people are jumping right over the deep end with everything and just saying everything's a lie. Everything's 100% a lie because yeah, of how too. much Absolutely. we've been lied to, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but, but I say careful with that. Um, I, Josh also has a lot of research in this um, where we look at a lot of the secret societies, the the insiders, the writings, the occult, the way, because this is where I think a lot of people in the flat earth spaces, fake community, they're there. They're saying, oh, it's a big Masonic conspiracy to lie to you about the shape of the planet so they can hide hidden land from you and all this stuff or whatever the reason is. And you know, actually, that's a really good point is to bring up what's the motive of it, but we'll save that. But the idea is that, you know, don't, we can't jump, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? No. And if, it, let's also remember the first reality is fake illusion people were coming out of the ancient Gnostic cults of the ancient world and many other offshoots and not all the Gnostic cults were into it. It was just certain groups, specifically the Sethians or the Setians came out of ancient Egypt. Um, and it was also a Judaic connection because Seth was the third child of Adam and Eve. And the Sethians were the ones that sort of went down that track as, oh, he was the rebel. He was the outcast. And that ideology was born that reality is an illusion, that nature itself is an illusion. That, that is an ancient cult ideology. It's actually an ancient religion. And I don't know if a lot of these people that just sort of wander into a few flat earth videos understand that it's not even about flat earth. It's not even about space is fake. It's the idea of disconnecting you from the creation itself of nature itself. And if you start viewing nature, like the trees, the, the, the birds are fake, apparently, right? Birds are robots surveilling us now. Like it's getting really, really bizarre. And then they're looking up at the heavens in this incredible canvas of art that you see every day. And you're going to sit there and just say, that's fake. To your point, Triffin, which I want to get into later on, but I don't want to get into it yet, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. psychological drive, Absolutely. the desire Absolutely. that's there. And it's I think there, it's it rooted in ancient trauma as well as life trauma mm-hmm. in our current life. Um, and I think that it's easier to regress psychologically into the idea that our reality is just an illusion. It's a complete illusion and it's artificial. And isn't that suitable for what we're hearing from the World Economic Forum, which is telling yes. you, you are an illusion. You are you a robot. Are yes. You aren't organic. We don't even need most of you people. So I guess, and then you, you think of the history of the Vatican who were uh, crucifying people like Giordano Bruno, who went in there and said, yeah, we're not the only planet and there's billions of planets and there's a whole other way of looking at God and the cosmos. They're like, mm-hmm. kill that man. Lock these guys up in the dungeon mm-hmm. for challenging the dogma of the day. They, the most powerful empire and r- religious cult in the history of this planet was a believer in these types of theories. So the fact that they're being resurrected right now, while we're in this blossoming movement of truth, independent media, seeking, mm. learning, understanding these questions, challenging our politicians and our media, and all of a sudden this comes crashing through the door and now everybody's like, oh, it's just all fake. It's all an illusion. Dude, I got a story for you. That's some ancient cult shit that's being resurrected in a modern form. I yeah, mean, and, it, it, and it also like the um, the 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 uh, the Dogon people of of um, 
Northern Africa. Are they part of the Freemasons? Yeah. And, and they believe in uh, what Sirius B, you know, and, and something you can't even see with the naked eye. Are they, are they part of the, the, you know, the conspiracy of the Freemasons trying to make all this, everything that the occultists do is inverted. And that's what I've always felt about this space is fake and flat earth is that it is, is it an inverted way for us people to start viewing the world? Cause everything else they do is, is basically inverted. Even their symbolism, they, they turn things canted like the canted square, the canted uh, star or anything they, or the, or the, even the swastika to turn a symbol and make it, you know, a little bit different in their own way. So I felt like this whole thing, the whole time is coming from dark occult. That's just my, my, my thoughts on that. Before we get into a cult, just to expand on the Dogon, because we're talking about space is fake. Yeah. Not only did the Dogon worship Sirius B in their traditions, in their, learnings it said it was a double star that had this red ring around it mm-hmm. now we didn't see that physically until the 50s or the 60s right. right and it's been in their traditions for x amount of thousands of years that serious b this is what it looked like da 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 this is where we came from and you know we could get into that that's another kettle of fish however if space is fake how does a tribe in the middle of nowhere know that there's no way, and there was no way for them to understand that. And it was so, so important you know, to them too. But yeah, right. go on with the occult, Josh, because that's interesting. Yeah. Stuff. Well, no. And so the occult is one thing that um, I've, I've researched for a very long time as well as David. And, um, you know, firstly, for everybody out there is the, the, when you say the word occult, there's nothing evil about the word. What we're really talking about is kind of philosophies and teachings and, and various different knowledge bases that have been hidden from the majority of mankind. And rightfully so, because some of these are incredibly dangerous in the wrong hands. Um, when we talk about dark occultists, dark occultists, basically, they kind of operate for the self. But the way that they utilize dark magic is through the manipulation of individuals who are in a state of nescience or ignorance. Nescience being a not knowing what you do not know, right? And so they take advantage of people who basically are oblivious to how the universe functions and works. These people are, in a sense, out of balance or alignment with natural law. And by influencing those people to do certain actions or influences in their reality, but produce consequences. Those consequences benefit the dark magicians. And so what we've seen here over the last, I would say five decades to uh, uh, last century on this planet is an infiltration within various aspects of our culture. And this was done right after what I would call the infiltration within the occult um, the cult ranks, if you want to call it that, right after the Theosophist Society, um, they saw that it started picking up steam and a lot of these dark occultists started trending with a lot of these modern day occultists of the times, infiltrating them and then injecting in false doctrine and information. And that kind of established this foundation and base for a lot of academia in their early 1900s. Mo- many of the physicists uh, the quantum physicists, first quantum physicists, and so forth. These guys were occultists. These guys understood mm-hmm. these deeper, darker mysteries. They all believed in a, 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 a lumiferous ether, except for Einstein, who really, at the end of his days, did believe in it. Mm-hmm. And so 
we have this idea of this infiltration that occurs within our academia. Well, not only academia, as they started infiltrating arts, and then they started infiltrating education. And this just continued. And one of the methodologies that they utilize to influence the people that are out of balance with natural law or in a state of nescience or ignorance is psychological warfare. And now we have laid the stage. They have laid the stage for them to utilize this on a grand scale. And David, I mean, you said 2014 is really when this started getting popular. And what else started getting popular at that time? 2010 is when we really started having the modern day framework and foundation for the internet, where people became more so interconnected. Social media platforms became the popular norm. Information sharing became a, a, a every minute and every second thing. Right. And we had the adaptability of these various technologies, which would be easily implemented into that infrastructure of information warfare, of psychological warfare mm-hmm. by these dark elitists to basically propagate any narrative that they wanted to, to influence the reality of the future towards what they wish. And if we go back and look at what the World Economic Forum is, this is the, this is the public mouthpiece of the Bilderberg Group. This is the public mm-hmm mouthpiece of these dark occultists. And they're telling you there, there is no soul. You will own nothing. Um, we don't need half the people on this planet. And what have they done? They've basically systematically brought every human being on this planet against everybody else. They've made us face off, whether it's politics, whether it's race, whether it's culture, whether it's greed, it doesn't matter. They've, they put us all against each other. And now we're sitting here, right? Arguing with a whole group of people who firmly believe the earth is flat and space is fake. That is a result of dark magicians operating at this level. Disinformation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Look, oh, yeah. And I agree. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go I ahead. Go ahead. The star. <laughs> no, no, you go, Dave. You, want, you, you yeah. just said a lot. I mean, I think, you know, 2014 is an interesting year too. I was just sort of thinking on the flip side of the, the, the fear and control divide and conquer, we talk about this truth movement, right? And what's been interesting to me is that, my my Facebook stuff, my memories are coming up, right? So Dan, because we're backwards here, Facebook's pretty still pretty big down here. I'm adapting to Twitter because that seems to be the better one internationally. However, this time last year, the police in Victoria were firing rubber bullets on its own citizens because we deemed to protest, right? I mean, that was a year ago today. That was all happening, right? Because it, I went pretty hard in the paint because it was pretty crazy down here. Uh, you talk about cognitive dissidents, think about that. You know, that was a year ago now, okay? Um, but I think the flip side of the truth movement, and uh, these, these are all loaded terms, is guys like us, right? Around 2014, we started utilising this information and sort of woke up. I mean, we're all of the same generation, right? We saw handwritten – we used to write letters to – you know, we had pen pals back in the day, right? And – you know, now we're talking to each other over the internet. So we've seen that transition. I think that has given us a critical thinking ability to think critically because we know that love is the answer and fear and control and divide and conquer are tools. And, but the, the disinformation, I like what Joshua said there. One of the things that sort of broke my mind a little bit with the, with the, the bullshit that happened over the last few years is I started, look, when did this start? And it truly has been manipulated. You would say post, uh, sorry, pre World War One, 
right? Mm-hmm. And then post-World War One, This has been a plan that has been in play for over 100 years, right? And we've just been lambs to the slaughter, essentially, uh, in being manipulated. But I think that the internet, you know, 2010, this, this sharing of information, that allowed the critical thinkers to join together, right? Because, I mean, we all think that we're alone. Well, here we are, boys. We're, you know, we're across the planet now when we're not alone. We've all got our own individual belief systems. However, right. we can think critically and look at this stuff. And I think there's a flip side to it. You know what I mean? I say, yes, it's the, the fear and control and divide and conquer is very present. But what I'm finding, especially recently coming out of the, you know, the chaos is that we're all sort of reaching out like we are today. So I think whilst there's a negative aspect to it, I wonder, because I thought about this the other day with the, with the, the protests and stuff down here, those that chose not to participate and chose to look at things critically and go, this is all bullshit, we continued to stand, right? We didn't believe what we were being sold and eventually they had to admit that it was bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. What if we didn't continue to stand? You know what I mean? Where would we be? Yeah, that was a thought I had the other day was working out in the house of pain out there. And I'm like, what if we hadn't have stood? Where would we be now? Right? Where in the plan would we be now? But it is disinformation. It is, yeah, it's, 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 in, we are living in prophetic times, boys. This is the other thing we don't understand, right? We're living in prophetic times, but those that live in prophetic times don't know that they're living in prophetic times. But we are. We are. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and I mean, there's so many important issues to be discussing. Um, I, I got to a point when I was looking at some of these subjects and, and going down and just so people know, like when I looked at these arguments from these flat earth videos and the space is fake people, I put the time in to hear out the arguments. I was very curious. Yeah, it's also me part too, of yeah. the work that I yeah. do. Yeah. Is, gotta, I'm very, gotta. yeah. And especially when it's coming into this world that I've been a part of for 20 years of, I've, I've grown up studying mythology, religion, ufology, you know, anything, mm-hmm. anything alternative questioning things. Right. But not everybody has that. Not everybody had that instinct or it came later in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, um, you know, I just saw that there was a lot of unity happening. Like Josh, you mentioned 2010. I mean, from between 2007 to 2010, there was a the release of these massive documentary films. These major pieces of information started coming out. They were definitely not as much as coming out right now, but it was these big cannon shots that were like, wow, what we've been told, so much of what we've been told, we can't trust from the media, from these politicians, from so mm. we, we started to get the in, inkling. And then now here we are living all of the things that were being sort of prophesized or predicted that could be happening. And, and then all of a sudden here we are getting into these discussions about the shape of the planet. And I mean, hey, you find a subject that's interesting to you and you want to prove a point and go down that rabbit hole, go for it. But um, in the end, my argument started to become, well, who cares what shape the planet? I don't care if it's shaped like a giant dildo. We need to come together on this planet. And these yeah. guys clearly have yeah. the R number psychologically through all mm-hmm. these research programs they've done. They've got the manual sitting right on the desk of how we tick. Um, mm-hmm. They could control us. They don't need to hide this. Sh- I just feel like it's a bad movie plot they don't what's the Mm. motive they don't need to hide the shape of the planet to control us on the planet and what if you know when they say i looked at it like this all the arguments that they give you antarctica 
um, you know, the motive as to why they would even hide the shape or, or, or fake space. Like, what's the motive? Is it just to mess with us? Like, that just doesn't seem strong because look at what kind of work would have to go into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single argument they were giving, I'm like, I could give you the same argument for the fact that these guys are already off planet. That's your, that's the land they don't want you to have access to. That's mm-hmm. the knowledge they don't want you to have access to. The knowledge of the heavens, even if we just forget about leaving the planet for a minute, the knowledge of the heavens and the stars and the orientation of the stars and the alignments at certain moments, which build momentum and all that, that was only known amongst the elite classes and the priest classes mm-hmm. and whatnot in history. The average, we were just out there working the fields for these people for thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. And so, th- that was always the knowledge that was for the elect, right? And then we started to gain a little bit of traction where now common man could get in and access this information. And so here we are fighting about all these things. And I'm like, they're hiding something big. Let's be honest. They're hiding something big, but all the arguments you're giving me for a flat earth and a, fa- and a fake space, I could give you for them hiding secret technology, secret space yeah. programs. Yeah. The fact that we're not alone in this universe, the yeah. fact that, um, you know, there's also just that ability to control people's minds and keep us on this farm and keep us operating like that. So mm. I, I guess I still didn't see the strong points for it specifically being always oh, flat or specifically being space is fake. Uh, <laughs> I felt like that was kind of like, that'd be like a bad ending to a movie. Like, oh, that's all it was. Like these guys <laughs> could control us no matter what shape it was. And I really don't see the incentive. And every time I ask them, I get almost like a quasi religious response where like, well, they're trying to hide God from you and they, they, they don't want you to feel special. And, and I'm like, what? And then they go, oh yeah. Cause if you have this infinite universe teeming with life, now we're just this infant insignificant little speck. And we well, have, they no also meaning. believe we're the center of that universe. The flat earth is a center of yeah, God. Right. Yeah. And I went, and you, and look, we are an insignificant like like speck as well. That let me we ask are you guys, do you feel by having the worldview? Okay. Let's say none of nobody knows for sure, but by having the worldview, that space is real and it's there's massive amounts of life and planets and stars and all kinds of action happening and probably dimensions to reality. Does that make you feel insignificant or does that make you feel like you're part of this incredible gigantic Swiss watch of, of life that's endless? Like I don't feel insignificant. I don't feel like that. And when I hear people respond to those questions with those kind of arguments, I'm kind of thinking again, maybe there's something going on on a psychological level mm. where there's a fear of reality. There's a fear of infinity. There's a fear of others and out there because it's safer to have it all compressed and in just this simple little explanation. What do you think about that? Well, those you, are all really good points. I, I just want to say yeah, though, like um, the, the, uh, the, the insignificant feeling, Oh, well, these people believe that if you uh, accept that the earth is flat, and that, uh, that there's no space that suddenly the matrix unlocks and you're just free and you're, you're, uh, you, yeah. you see the world a new way. And I, I, I've never even saw that at all. And I just want to bring up something you brought back a little bit before David is when we were talking about, um, uh, around, well, I've been doing this tour, this, um, this show since 2013 and we talked about 2014 and then, how things like I could have had anyone on this show around 2013, 2014, and we all, anybody in the truth movement for better lack of words, whatever it is. And we would have all gone on the same page, but after that started to happen, there was this rift in the truth movement and it, it started to, or whatever you want to call it. 
and it, and it, then there started to be these these people that believed this thing and they religiously believed it and now it's it's gotten really bad so i see somewhere around that point there was a tear i kind of lost my train of thought but uh i think you that's guys an important one though that's yeah. because that's what i noticed yeah. what did you see josh well no it, it's interesting as well because if you look at flat earthers in general in this this goes out the flat earthers because what I've noticed from talking to Flat Earth Dave and watching a lot of these people interact with other people who, who know their stuff is Flat Earthers have a very, very narrow, limited scope of life, of reality, of, of what everything is. And what I mean by that is that they believe fundamentally in the Christian God, that there's a little man up there. And he's, he, he will shoot you in the ass with a lightning bolt. If you get out of line, if you're bad, you're going to hell and you're going to live with the devil, right? This is primarily what they believe. And I think that goes into a lot of this mass psychosis that these people exist within. Most likely flat earthers were probably the people 20 years ago who believed the earth was 6,000 years old as well. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody by saying this no, no. is this is just what I've noticed is that they have a very, very closed mind for interpretation outside of a book. And I know that the four, the three other people here, including myself, we could probably go through that whole book and extrapolate all the context, all the stories, all the periods of history, all the civilizations that brought about the stories in that book before that book was ever even written down. And so we know that there's a lot more truth out there. And, and that's one of the other things about this mass psychosis or this psychological warfare is I look at reality in this sense. This is one of the main tenets that I've realized throughout my years as being someone who practices these esoteric mysteries and occultism is that there are only two truths in the universe. There's the absolute truth, which is unknowable, incomprehensible unimaginable. We, we can't know it. It's, it's the totality of everything. That's the absolute truth. And then there's self-evident truth and self-evident truth comes about through the observer experiencing reality through a relationship of experiencing that glimpse of the absolute and drawing their own interpretation of what that absolute is. So when we talk about the Aborigines, the original people and how they say that the, the universe or, or the, the galaxy glides on a turtle's back, that's not a misinterpretation. That's their truth. That's their self-evident truth derived from their own stories, their own experiences, from their own culture. Who are we to say that that's wrong? But in the other sense is there's an expanded version of that. There's an extrapolation upon that truth that has many different levels that go up. And what I just say to flat earthers is you are on just one of these levels of understanding of truth and you need to expand it beyond that scope and take it from there. Yes, NASA lies. Yes, the government lies. Yes, there's dark occultists out there. Yes, there's a God. But also the earth's not flat and we can scientifically, mathematically Prove this. I was in the Navy for 10 years, U.S. Navy. Okay. I worked on advanced weapon and fire control systems. I shot missiles across the freaking planet. Okay. And you, and you had to take into account rotation, didn't you? Jeff? You had to take into account <laughs> curvature, rotation. I, we, we would do um, transcontinental communications. You know, you, you say radar to these people and they're like, 
well, yeah, it's line of sight. No, it's not. We're actually utilizing when we're using three of uh, uh, what we call like our spy spy ra- radars or our 3D radars. We're actually taking minute signals, very much like harp, and bouncing them off the ionosphere. Now, if this was a flat Earth, why would we have to bounce signals off of the ionosphere mm-hmm. to get them around the Earth? <laughs> I mean, it's absurd. They, they talk a lot about how can a Navy ship that's sitting right here fire a missile at a target 100 miles away? Because we have really good censoring systems that we utilize and were built specifically for the curvature of the Earth. And if you looked into them, you would see the mathematics, the engineering and the science behind mm-hmm. that, because that's what I did for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I think uh, there's some stuff there, but I think I want to just brush on Dave's thing where he said, do you feel insignificant? Right. I think. Again, mental capacity, and I'm not offending anybody, right? Mental capacity, uh, ability to critical think, the education doctrine that has been employed across Western society for the last 100 plus years also needs to be spoken about there because there's definitely a narrative that comes into play. However, the human experience, boys, right? On one hand, boys, we are a drop in the ocean the ocean forgot about. We are less than nothing, okay? That's the reality. In the grand totality, like Josh said, we are a drop on a drop, nothing, right? But on the other hand, for whatever reason, on this little three-dimensional planet we call Earth, we are the most powerful creator that has ever been existed, ever, right? Everything that's surrounding all of us has come out of the muse, come out of the ether, and has been created and put down by humans, by homo sapiens sapiens. Where you need to understand is that you need to exist in between those two things, right? Right? And you talk, Josh talked about the absolute truth. There's a line of research that I'm I'm currently in called the triptych. Okay. And it's basically symbolism and occult symbolism tied into the judo Judaic Christian religions. But that story too, boys, like you got to understand that biblical story, that goes back as far as we understand, right? That is just a story that has repeated itself and repeated itself. And there's myths and stories and legends. However, the God self, boys, that this this is what we're trying to grasp, right? When we, in our individual research, when we we can get in that objective observer perspective of a, a set of information, you can grasp it, you know, and it's like wow, and then you can feel that within yourself. That is the the God self within us all. I am God. You are God. We are God. Right? That's what they want to stop. Okay. These people that can think critically, these people that can think objectively and look at things from multiple perspectives, they are dangerous people because the lies, lie smells, right? Bullshit smells, okay? Whereas on the flip side of that, boys, here's something that came out of a podcast a little while ago from one of of my mentors, Martin. He says, the truth has a ring to it. Hmm. And it does. If you think about it, when you hear that, that, that snippet of absolute truth, it's like, hey, yeah, wow. That truth has a ring to it. And the only other thing I'll say about Flat Earth, and I'll pass it past the baton along, is that if, if there was an edge to this planet, the capitalists would have made a swing that went off the edge, okay? That's so, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> they would have been making money on it by now. So <laughs> You would also have heard stories of people yeah. who went over, of people exactly. who lost yeah. going over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I took a flight to Egypt in April. And in order I – w- well, I live in Hawaii, so I had to go to L.A. And in order to get to Egypt, we went – from LA over the North Pole to Egypt. If we were on a flat earth, why would I need to go over the, the fucking North Pole? You know, it's just this joke. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there, there, it was shorter to go that way than it was to go straight across and around the world. 
another another thing about flat earth that i know we were talking about space fake but it's all related is i live in hawaii so we're not that far from the equator we're about you know four hour flight they say that the tsunami the um, cyclones and the hurricanes they spin opposite direction there's a corellius effect i think it's called Mm -hmm. corellius yes where the earth bulges well I watch hurricanes because this is hurricane season and I make sure they're not going to get us. Right. So they um, will not cross the equator because the reason why is they will have to start spinning the opposite direction. If we lived on a flat earth. What then, then why wouldn't they just keep going across the equator and go down to Tahiti or something? So, Hmm. you know, there's all these things like that. Little, little truths that they cannot battle. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine. He does, um, he tracks the star trails, like you know, those photographs where you've got yeah, and it just oh, looks yeah. like a it's bunch right. of spinning yeah, 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 light, yeah. and he uses that photography. That's what he did. Uh, David Matheson's his name, and he does a lot on astrology and astral theology and yeah, astronomy. I've, seen, I've guys, heard of Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's brilliant. Actually, yeah. he'd be a good guy to get in touch with. I did some shows with him years back, and he just used the star trails and the mm-hmm. the North Pole, the 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 North Star, the positioning, how the movement happens, and how he's like, I can show you the movement of these. This is not a, they're not fixed holes punching into the dome. Um, and by the way, that whole idea of having a stationary disc with a dome and that what we're seeing as stars is just the uh, holes punching through the dome and light coming from the heavens, I guess is what they say. Do you know what other group held that belief? It was a fringe group within the Nazi regime that actually held that belief. You can go look it up. I wasn't I don't think they were linked in with Thule, but there was a fringe group within the Nazi military that held this belief. It was like a religious belief because this goes back to some of the more wacky stuff that came out of um, some of these more northern uh, histories and mythologies. And they just kept the mythology alive. And how many people do that to this day? How many cultures do that to this day? You guys, everybody kind of brought up religion and things like that. Um, There's so much to these ancient texts that yeah. when you take it literally as if you're reading like a science book or something and you think there's a talking snake telling somebody and all that and you're that's all you see then i feel like that's the kind of mind that will look at some of the stuff that's coming out with these new trends wow. and go oh it is that but when you go well wait well the the snake was symbolic of a few different things it was symbolic of the of wisdom in one hand medicine on another and also evil and tyranny. So there's, there's, there's a concept being spoken about and then you can bring it out. And then you bring in a David Matheson or a Michael Desarian or a Jordan Maxwell. And they're going to tell you, well, they're telling you the story of the heavens. The number one thing that the ancient peoples focused on, and they actually raised priest classes to acclimatize their eyes to the dark so they could see the stars more brilliantly was the stellar cults that of all the ancient cults and religion, all religions were born out of the stellar cults and the stellar yeah, cults were the ones that yeah. looked at the heavens, took the stories of the heaven, like made stories out of the movements of the heavens so they could remember it. Right. Mm. Cause these aren't people that think like we do now with the scientific English type language. It was a left and right hemisphere thinking where you have a literal thing happening, but you mythologize it to tell the story so that it's remembered over time. You tell your kids about it, fairy tales, you know, Cinderella doesn't exist, but there's a meaning behind the story. So Mm. I just wanted to bring that in because these guys are taking everything literally. These are the literalists. And that is where the Mm. deception lies because there's actually great meaning that can be derived from understanding how to read myth 
and it's not myth meaning it's a lie it's it's what i'm saying so just yeah. wanted to bring that up the other thing i'm going to say and this might be controversial i don't know but we've got all this it's stuff too going on right that, now with uh, nothing's controversial on channel <laughs> <laughs> to some people listening i don't know but i live in canada so you know we're under the gun all the time with this stuff but there's all this stuff about people are not a, these young kids are being brainwashed with this whole trans thing and this identification problem where they're nobody's able to identify who they are. There's like, what, what does it mean to be a man? Well, I, I can't even define what's a woman. I can't define it. It's undefinable. It's starting to sound a lot. And I'm not accusing people in this movement of being just like that, but there, a lot of the arguments when I'm hearing them, they're the same circular amoebic indefinable thing yeah. that yeah. gets to that point where I'm like, you guys are starting to sound, your arguments are getting so absurd because mm -hmm. you're getting countered by people that know what they're talking about. So it's just evolving into something wacky, just like mm -hmm. we saw where we used to just have, you know, there were gays, straight, bi, there was trans with all that, but now there's what, 87 genders. You can be whatever you want. It's fluid now. So on Mondays, I can be a man on Wednesdays, I can be a woman on Wednesdays or Thursdays. I can be a cat, you know, like this. So what I'm saying is that, and I think Josh, you and I spoke about this, all of these different things, which I do believe it are these psychological in. attacks are an attack against yeah. your concept of reality. It. That yeah. is, it's the MK ultra mantra. If they can confuse you and disorient you, just like if you're fighting and someone can ping you upside the head and now you're disoriented, you're primed for the final kill shot. And really? now you don't even know what's up, what's down. Is it fake? Is the, are the birds even real? Is the sky even real? Is the moon even real? Is it made of cheese? Is it a, is it a reflection like in the Truman show of some hologram? And you get in there and you go, there's, there's an old saying, I'll finish with this. There's an old saying that goes something like we humans view the world and life through the lens of the self of, of where our state of mind is. And if you have a dirty exactly. lens, you're not seeing reality. You're not seeing that objective truth. And so, cause it was Josh that brought this up for me, where he's talking about all the, you know, the, the truth you can define and the absolute mm -hmm. truth. They're trying to erase the concept of objective truth and objective Absolutely. reality. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they can, Absolutely. to me, that's the way you prime a victim for a ritual of some kind. Absolutely. And I just see this all Wait, over this. What do you guys think? That's what the new age I mean, people There's going to be a sacrifice. It's like, they're going to be like a big <laughs> altar bill and they're going to bring all these people out and kill them in the sense of this altar. No, no, there's more to ritual than just what you saw in Indiana Jones, man. Yeah, don't worry, mate. It's, don't worry, don't worry. It's for your safety, man. I was going to say because, safety. I mean, there's there's a potential 1.5 billion people who could die here in the next 18 months. And they've all been primed and prepped and psychologically um, reduced to this point where they just blindly accept anything they see, hear, or are told by an authority. So it does look like, in a sense, and then you have these elitists talking about, ha, we don't need all these people. <laughs> right. So I don't know. It kind of sounds like we're we're moving up to one big occult uh, sacrifice yeah. ceremony. Well, I think, it, I don't know whether you were channeling Aldous Huxley, though, Dave, but I wrote this down in the notes. One believes things because one has been conditioned to believe them. That was Aldous Huxley. He said that, mm. right? There you go. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, imagine, I mean, I don't know, when we were in the 90s, look, we, we, let's be grumpy old men for two seconds, right? Back in the 90s, 
we thought in 2022 we'd have flying cars and everything would be super. We used to have a show down here called Beyond 2000 where they'd say, yeah, in, in 2020, this all these amazing things are going to happen. And here we are and we don't know what a woman is and the earth is flat and space is fake and <laughs> and it's like progressed. This, this stuff is just fucking ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like I don't even – when Loomis first asked me to come on, come on, we need to talk about space is fake. I'm like, man, do I have to reduce myself to actually talk about this? However, it does attach itself. Again, we can't leave behind this psychological stuff. I mean, look, I'm totally cool, right? You want to you be a gender fluid unicorn, you'd be the best gender fluid unicorn you can be, okay? You want to identify as a penguin? Look, I've got questions. I've got some questions, right? <laughs> However, do whatever the fuck you want to do, okay? Yep. Yeah. At the same time, don't like it's ridiculous on the face of it. Okay. You, if you think about it critically, all I'm asking for people to do about any of this stuff is think about it critically for five minutes, right? I mean, we work here at UTC on the 1% rule, right? So take all conspiracy theories. What if 1% is true? Okay. What if 1% of all conspiracy theories is true? To pretend the amount of data that's out there on some of this stuff that 1% of it isn't doesn't need to be questioned. I think is fair enough. Okay. Is the moon weird? Yes. The moon is very strange. It is a strange shape. It has a strange composition. There's why haven't we been back? These things, these, did we ever go? You know, what these things, these questions need to be asked, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I mean, what, I mean, it's hard not to talk about what just happened, right? How did they, poison six billion people in 12 months man right supposedly okay how did that even happen and how did i i was in logistics for a long time that was my key i took weird stuff around the planet and moved it to other weird locations okay that was my job how did they produce that amount of stuff in that amount of time can someone tell me that where were they what's going on here and are we being primed and is this the separation those that chose not to participate and see through the critical thinking, is that the split? Is that the divide? It's right because now for someone like myself who's been stuck in a studio for two years because I couldn't go outside because I was evil, um, I will never believe anything they say ever again, right? So, but the percentage of these people now, there's a percentage that don't want to talk about it. It's like Fight Club. That's what I've been saying lately, right? Yeah. First rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club. Okay, because yeah, I mean, you know, what was going on in Canada for Dave a year ago? I can't even imagine, right? They, they, you know, one of the the countries that was most affected, next to Australia. Okay, uh, we can't talk about that. There's a cognitive dissonance, and there's a mass. You know, I said this in a post the other day, literally four months ago. I had people telling me that I should be in a quarantine camp, away from other people, right? And they built quarantine camps down here too, boys, just for the record, okay? That's right. I remember seeing it, yeah. Right? So here we are now four months later and those people don't want to talk to me. And we're supposed to have the cognitive – we're supposed to go, oh, no, it's okay, back to normal, you know. <laughs> Onwards we go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but again, was all that conditioning and all the things that happened, now it is, though, for whatever – is there – it's hard not to see some dark occult thing at play, boys. It really is difficult. And all this disinformation, all this, because then you've taken all these people that can think objectively and and fed them all this crap, 
and then, then they because we like we like dogs with bones. I mean, like Dave did. When I started jumping into this space is fake stuff, I can't help but not give it its due diligence, right? I looked into a lot of this stuff and there's questions that need to be asked. However, you know, fear and control and divide and conquer doesn't work. Okay. And we and we can't give in to that. Uh, however, this, you know, the fact that we can't define what a woman is again, is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life. However, it's all about you, will, you, you are nothing, you will own nothing, and you will be happy about it. That's You know, I, on that point, this is interesting because um, I'm close to a lot of uh, um, various mystery schools, Masons, Rosicrucians, so forth. Um, and one thing in, in um, the Lemus, one thing I've noticed is that they accept a lot of these trans non-binary people into their system as well is there's a lot of people within those communities that are now what they call witches or practicing witchcraft, hmm. which I always thought was just absolutely absurd. Number one, for the fact that these mystery schools would allow them in and number two, the fact that they're practicing it yet they don't understand natural law, which the seventh law of natural law is gender and there's only two genders that manifest mm-hmm. and that by their only by their own definition of themselves, they are out of accordance with natural law. They are in disharmony with natural law. And I just I, I just can't. It's just there's got to be something more going on in this world. Mm-hmm. Right. That is being covered up. And it's not mm-hmm. that the earth's flat. It's not that earth is space. That is that no. is so minor and minute in thinking because we can. We can scientifically validate and prove these things, but there's something much bigger. And I think what that much bigger thing really is, is in, let me know if you guys agree, is the awakening of consciousness. I believe that in the universe, there is an evolutionary process designed for conscious beings to wake up and evolve and expand within their consciousness. This is why all of our ancestors watched and, and, and were dedicated Bought, bought, bought temples dedicated to the procession of the equinoxes, to the to the great calendar, because they knew by following the great calendar they could anticipate when these various cycles of evolution and consciousness would come around, when we would go into dark periods where consciousness would be suppressed, and that they could plan accordingly to this by producing books and say, hey, look, there's going to be some dark times in history. And this is what you can expect during the dark times because this is what happened to us. But don't worry because then the light times come and the light times come and we wake up and we awaken and and there's just this big cycle. And see, I mm. think that's what's really being hidden here. Absolutely. Mm. It's the God self, right? You know, I called my podcast Unlocking the Code. The code is, boys, is that you are God, we are God, I am God, and we can do whatever the fuck we want to do. Okay, that's the code. And if you can understand that, that's what's being hidden. It's the suppression of God's self. I mean, the, the whole, you know, and when you start splitting people, right? I mean, you talk about empires, like I think in the calendar, depending on which one you look at, we are in a time of Kali Yuga, okay? In the Kali Yuga, yeah. the time of chaos, yeah? Um, but out, out of the time of chaos comes that period of alignment that Josh is talking about. And it's through that chaos that we understand. And I think that is definitely what they're trying to suppress. Amongst other things, you know, I mean, the interdimensional beings that are apparently here, there's UFOs flying all around and no one wants to talk about it. Um, there's other things that are starting to suppress, but from a humanity, from a three-dimensional standpoint, yes, the suppression of 
that God self awakening. I mean, I look around at you boys. You boys look tired. I look at myself. I look tired. Do you know why we're tired, boys? Because it's been a rough time. Okay, yeah. and I and I guarantee. Let me let me ask you a question. Are you guys facing some demons of late? You're dealing with some shit. Some stuff's coming up. Yeah, everyone's nodding along. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Guess what? It's a battle. All of us, all of us, man. All of us that have awareness. All of us that have observational understanding. We're all facing that right now. All of us, because we are. For the want of a better light, a want of a better description, upping our vibration, right? We every time they throw a new, you know, it's like a monkey throwing shit at a wall. Something sticks, right? And every time they throw a bit of shit at us, we got to take it, and and it's hard. However, we also understand that through that self, through that everything, we are manifesting and realizing this this awakening, which is what's happening. Uh, and it is what's trying to be suppressed, for sure. Because, I mean, objective minds like ours is space fake. Well, no, it's not. But we'll give it its due diligence. No, it's not. Okay? So if we were given anything, are UFOs real? Well, there's book. I've got – doesn't matter. I wouldn't have any trouble with that because I believe that for a long time, right? right? Are we not alone in the universe? Yeah, probably we're not. How about we learn from these people? You know, let's – you know, color, creed, religion, sex, those of us that have awareness realize that none of that actually really matters. Right, it doesn't. And if we could let go, and you know, the love is the answer. It's it's corny. It's so corny, but it's so true. Um, then we could actually embrace and move forward. Uh, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Sorry, boys. well, it's good stuff. I I think that, and I I appreciate that. And I mean, I look at it like you need some kind of an oppositional force to challenge you. If you do want to evolve, like you're not just mm-hmm. going to evolve in an easy situation. No, I think we can all agree on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from studying, you know, the warrior traditions, grew up in martial arts, sports, that kind of stuff, had a hard life, you know, entrepreneur, parent, <laughs> I got kids, you know what it's like. You need challenge to grow. It's challenge that makes you grow. And um, I feel like our society is being driven towards not wanting to suffer at all, right? To completely mm-hmm. end. And I'm talking, we're not talking suffering like there's starving kids in Africa and there's ki- people getting blown up in wars. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. We all want to end that. But mm-hmm. I'm talking about, we don't want to work for anything. We want everything to be easy. We want, like, this is even the sales pitch of this World Economic Forum. You're going to own nothing and be happy. People will bite down on that simply because what's really being said there is you will own no responsibility. Exactly. You will own... You won't own your labor, but that means you don't have to do labor, right? It's all going to be robots. And then you'll just be, I guess, the surf on the farm like it used to be, right? And mm-hmm. and so I sit there and I go, real life, all of nature, uh, it's forged. It's created through trials. It's created through challenge. It's I, my life, who I am is challenged, is created through that. And I'm sure everybody's sitting here, if you're still doing a podcast in this time, running uphill, getting shot with flaming arrows the whole way with censorship, <laughs> with attacks from friends and family, with losing income. Uh, if you're still standing, your str- your strength has grown. Your knowledge has grown. Your understanding of who you are and your, pur- your purpose, your meaning mm-hmm. in life has grown because mm-hmm. of the challenge. If it was just easy and I had 8 million YouTube followers and just money coming in and sponsors coming in. And I was just talking about fluff all day. Like so many of them do. I mean, no wonder these guys end up 
getting on drugs and committing suicide. There's nothing, there's nothing there. That's not what a human is. We need to be mm. shown. We need to go through the trials. And so on a soul level, on a big level, we're going through that process. And Absolutely. I think those dark controllers or whatever you want to call it, the people that think they own this planet and the people that think they own us, um, they're just operating off of that. Uh, I'm not, I don't think they're aware of this, but they are part of a much bigger system. Like what Oh yeah, Josh is talking about there. Um, and they are the villain in our story. They are mm. the grinding force that that Katana blade, the hammering on the fire that that blade has to go through until it's a fine tuned piece of technology. Um, and that's what human beings are. And that's what we signed up for. And, uh, you know, however people want to perceive what happens when you die and all that, that's different. I'm just thinking it's healthy to look at this as a challenging time because of the confusion. It's like we are in a sort of dark age on a psychological level yeah. where we have access to libraries of information that our ancestors would have killed to have access to. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, yet we're the dumbest we've ever been. And we're the most <laughs> lazy we've ever been and all that. And you go, wow, how is that? Well, that means we have to go through this period. Where we're trying to figure shit out. And if that means we're all like, you know what? Scrub it all. Nothing's real. I don't know what I am. Man, yeah, let's just boy. delete everything. Yeah. It's, it's like part of humanity has to go through that. And a lot of them aren't going to make it because that's not congruent with the facts of reality. Right. Mm. And I think a lot of people are trying to escape reality. And I think that's why there's actually something in the field of psychology called the reality principle, um, where it, it has to do with the maturation of your ego. If you're maturing as an identity, uh, through your life, uh, psychological stages of development, and you miss those stages, one part of that identity is going to be bigger than the other. Like if you only do push-ups every day, your legs are going to be little toothpicks and you'll be, it's just imbalanced. Well, that's the same with your mind. And mm. what happens is you don't mature and you, you then almost get into a schizoid way of thinking. And then you create a deluded view of reality, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that if people are afraid of reality and they're afraid of consequences and they're afraid of these things and they haven't addressed that or taught how to address it, then it's easier to just go, ah, it's all fake. It doesn't matter. And there's some big daddy in the sky that's going to save and take care of everything for me. I don't have to do anything. And guess what? We got Klaus Schwab up there promising the same thing. Why not sign up for that? Oh, health, mm. take on my own health and my own life. Nah, yeah. Pfizer's got you. Just get injected. <laughs> <five legs>. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing, right? You can trust the, that. And the, that's why I hate social media. And I've always hated this false version of everybody. Everybody's life is perfect. They never take a picture of the day they stepped in shit or got hit by a car or something horrible happened. And everybody's got this perfect life. And, you know, you just take pictures of the good moments and it makes people lazy. And, you know, it makes people not want to grow. It makes people just sort of want to have this easy lackadaisical life where they, you know, every day is about the same and we just want to, you know, show the good moments, but we're not here for that. This is a, this is a school of, 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 uh, of we're like, you know, we were like sharpen, we go against the sharpening stone and that's what we're here for is to grow. And I guess what prompted me to do this too, is just like this whole podcasting thing is to, to realize I'd grown a lot when I learned all this information and a lot of people around me did not. So I needed to give this information a platform. And well, I found people like you guys where you guys have grown and gone through this, this lackadaisical, mediocre, lukewarm world where everybody just sort of does the same thing and goes home every day. 
I couldn't do that reality. And I still can't do that reality. And I know there's more to life. And that's why I really hate TV and all these things they're putting it in front of our face to make us go that way. Cause we really need to grow. And of course our consciousness needs to grow. And we, and, and people uh, in this, this mainstream world, the normies, they don't want that. It scares them. Mm. Yeah. That's well, interesting, I, Ron. You're yeah. You, yeah. you go, Josh. I'll go there, mate. Well, you know, talking about this, um, the big, the big, view and the big picture and talking about truth and, and kind of where we're headed. You know, David was saying is that you have to go through these dark times and everybody endures these, these dark times of trauma of suffering within their life. And, you know, I said that it's always darkest before the dawn is that it always has to have, I give this example on my show sometimes is that imagine a seedling, a seedling pushed down deep into the soil. Okay. The soil's dark. There's no light down there. It's damp. It's cold. That seed doesn't give up. It begins to fight. It begins to push up through the darkness. And it moves and moves and moves until it finally breaks through and sees just a glimmer of light. Eventually bursting through and beginning to blossom into a beautiful flower and becoming part of nature's song. And, you know, that's kind of where I look at we are, humanity is right now in this transition. One of the things that I I found out by researching and being a part of various esoteric societies is when you start to look at all the information that's out there and you begin to kind of piecemeal it together, you put it together, you start seeing this bigger picture. And it was what I was just saying a, a minute ago, Tricon, is that does everybody here know what an analemma is? Is that if you were to observe the sun rising every day in the sky from December 25th to December 24th, the sun's going to perform what's called an analemma. And an analemma is a figure eight that it just appears to do if you saw it every day at noon, because the sun increases one degree every day up until June 21st, the, the, uh, the solstice, and then decreases one degree every day. And then it sits still for three days, starting on December 21st. And this sit still is kind of like an illusion that happens. And it's said that the sun dies on the cross because it happens on the constellation of the Southern cross and then rises again and the sun's resurrected. But this also marks the variations of solar cycles and cosmic cycles that we go into. And when we start looking at these grand calendars and these, these cycles that we go through, we have to remember one of the hermetic axioms of as above, so below is that everything that is dominated here on the, the macro world is is rhythmically expressed on the cosmic level and so on and so forth. And so I always perceived it is that if I can view an analemma, well, I call it the analemma wave. If I can view the sun doing an analemma in the sky, if I was to sit outside of the galaxy, I would see our sun do an analemma through the center of the Milky Way galaxy or through the arm of the Milky Way galaxy, which means that the, our solar system actually moves through the arm of the Milky Way to a, um, to a summer solstice, to two equinoxes, and to a winter solstice, which means that there's a transitional period of how our solar system is transiting through variations of energy density within the galaxy. And why do I say that is because if we know that there's two black holes at the center of the galaxy, Sagittarius A and B, they have a parallel 
discretion disc, which basically makes up the arm of the Milky Way galaxy. All that's held in place by a large gravitational force that pulls everything in towards that center. That gravity is centered towards the middle of that arm, which means that it's more dense. Energy is more concentrated towards that arm. And that means that when we transit through that, the earth and our solar system is going to be bombarded by massive amounts of information, uh, massive amounts of information and energy. Okay. So where are we currently right now on that cycle? We're at December 21st. We are right there at the bottom. The transition into the age of Aquarius is right there at winter. We are in the darkest point of this transit of spiritual evolution. We are about to resurrect, right? Because that's what this is all about. The resurrection of our solar system on the galactic side is about to happen. And we're about to transition and start making this transit up, which means that consciousness can only increase during this next transit because the days get longer and longer and longer and longer. Mm. And we're exposed to more photonic light energy, as you're saying. This is a very interesting concept. Yeah. And I mean, oh, I vibration you, unless the sun yeah. is a big spotlight. That's only 50 miles <laughs> this, above. That's a big torch, man. Shave ceiling. This is some old mate. Old mate stand on the top just going like this. He's just, he's just that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on, um, I just thought, I mean, so we, I, I touched on Gobekli Tepe earlier. Uh, there's, a, there's a pillar in Gobekli Tepe called Pillar 43. And I did a lot, again, did the objectional critical research on all the papers and what everybody thought Pillar 43 was. I landed on a paper by Swetman, Martin Swetman and Sid Grikis. Uh, but basically they say that Pillar 43 is a star map. Okay. Now that star map, I, I did an episode on it. I won't go into detail, but long story short, it's a star map. And that star map matches four dates. Okay, one of them's about twenty odd thousand years ago. One of them's twelve thousand nine hundred years ago, which was the time of the first great cataclysm. That's when the reset button was hit. We have got no idea what happened then. Uh, and then one was four and a half thousand years ago, which is interesting. I'll talk about that in a second. One was yeah, four thousand BC, I should say. And the other date, boys, is today. Hmm. Okay, it's yeah. now. Right, Interesting. and we talk about the the cycles, and that's we are all in cycles of time, uh, and you know we talk about you know it, it and, and it's as above so below, right? So those of us that have that have stood tall and, and that are still going, uh, I mean, just on a personal note, boys, I mean, this year I've done a lot of uh, internal work, and I actually did some work with some men, and it was really really powerful stuff. We culminated it in a plant medicine journey, and. You know, we talk about space being fake. There's two things. I, I spent four days with some other boys in the middle of nowhere uh, just integrating the, the the journey that I've been on this year. But one night, because we're literally – this is Australia, okay? You guys don't understand the middle of nowhere. Well, actually, Dave might. He's in Canada because there's a lot of middle of nowheres up 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 in Canada. Have I was literally 200 miles, 200-plus miles from anywhere, okay? The stars that were above us – you could see, you could perceive the the di the the yeah. bubble. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. it was unbelievable. Like we're lying on the look. We we were all suitably prepared, if you know what I mean, to look at the stars. Okay, so you know we're still lying on the ground and just being. Yeah, you know, we're on the big blue ball hurtling through infinity, and it's like it was right there. You know, um, and the, you know, this is seven Aussie blokes looking up at the stars. We were there for hours just because I love of the. It. The amazing enormity of it, right? And just that it's, and 
But that was also about integration of self. You know, I, the, do you know how I integrated? It's winter down here. I went and jumped in the river. I did some Wim Hof stuff. You know what I mean? Like I went and sat in the cold. Nice. And it's only through that cold when you, it's when you get out of that cold. Like the cold's invigorating, and it's, but it's terrible. And then you get out, and it's like I feel amazing. And it's that. It's only through that trial. You know, first you've got to have the capacity to do that, right? Can you go and jump in the river? Because I was. Out of the seven boys that are out there, I did it five times. One guy came with me one day and then he's like, never again, you're an idiot, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it was bloody, it was, you know, the water was one degree Celsius or something like that. It was cold. But it's only through that trial. And I went there consciously to integrate the the journey that I'd been on this year mentally. And it was only because of the chaos that I just endured for two years. It pushed me to that point where I'm like, okay, what are you doing? What am I doing? And like Loomis was saying, boys, I've disengaged from social media recently because I looked at it and it's really stupid, um, you know, and even doing this today, it's like I, I there was a point where I was like, oh, I don't know whether I'm going to do this today because I've found that peace, that that peace that between the chaos and the thing. It's like, why do I need to do this? I'm super happy that I did. However, through that awareness, the only way I've come through that awareness, man, I would face some demons and trauma, right? Yep. It's, necessary. it's necessary. It's necessary. And that's a beautiful experience. I've had yeah. a similar one with the stars. And Loomis, I was going to say, um, maybe feed us some of those other questions you had, but really quick, as you were saying about the stars, and then Josh was talking about as above, so below, mm -hmm. I had a note here I wanted to bring up about the insignificance question because it plays into all of it. And it was something that somebody said to me when I was like 14. And it was like, I was having that, you know, you're a kid, you're trying to figure out reality, you're trying to figure out life, you know, what's it all about? What's the meaning and all that? And um, you start feeling insignificant, you know, you start going, mm -hmm. man, I, I feel like I'm just little me and look, uh, you know, all the, and even forget about space, just how many human beings are on this planet and how much is going on. And you're just one little person. You, you get that feeling, especially when you're younger, you're trying to, and they just said, well, does every grain of sand on the seashore feel insignificant? What about with your own body? What about as within, so without, right? Uh, does every cell of the hundred trillion cells that are in your, that make up what you are, does every, does one little cell feel insignificant, right? Does one little part of you feel insignificant? There's a whole universe happening in your being, in your body, right? Mm. And the ancient Egyptians and many of these ancient cultures, they didn't look at the body as the cage of the soul and earth as this cursed, dark, fallen world. They looked at it as a gift from the heavens. Mm, they looked at it as God, a gift yeah. of nature, yeah. from God, whatever, right? Mm. And that if you operate, what, what mentality is going to bring you health, positivity, uh, if you believe in any level of a, a real law of attraction, not the bullshit from the typical new age, but like the real ability that you have to the call experiences in your life. If you yeah, believe yeah. in that, what mentality is going to serve you? The, the mentality that your body is this cursed thing or that you're an insignificant speck of dust that has no meaning or whatever, or is it going to be, or you're what you're all Harari's view where you're just robots and nothing matters. You have no free will you're just a mate sack. or, or the view that you are part of a fractal. You are part of a massive picture that you might feel insignificant. And maybe in the grand scale of things, you could say that. However, 
What scale are we talking about? Whether you keep zooming, zooming down into the quantum levels, or you keep going way out to the big, the size of these big neutron stars and galaxy clusters, um, everything has a purpose. Nature doesn't waste anything. So what are we going to teach our kids? What are we going to talk about in this truth movement? We need to inspire people to realize the last thing you are is insignificant. That's not the message from the greatest sages and teachers and wisdom traditions that we have from the past. And I'll wrap it up with this quote I wanted to drop here from Alvin Boyne Kuhn. He's one of the greats. And he said this, because this is about the idea of illusion. Is it fake? Is it real? Think about what he said. In the ancient traditions, he's saying the real Maya or illusion is not in the natural forms. Okay. So, because remember, there's this idea that uh, oh, it's a simulated reality. It's a computer artificial generated thing. And you're, you're just a whatever, right? No, he's saying the real, the, this would be more of the, um, I guess the ominous class in Egypt, the Druids, they would say, no, no, the natural forms of nature, that's not the illusion. The illusion is the mind's propensity to conceive or project forms created by its own inventiveness, but which, but which do not agree with the truth yes. extent or potential in nature. So he's basically, basically he's just saying the, the illusion is not your body. It's not the trees. It's not the stars. It's not the sun and the moon. The illusion is the projection your mind casts upon those things. That's what I mean. That quote is. because that's absolute versus self evident. Yeah, when I was talking about that's truth. beautiful. That was beautiful. That's great. Yeah, yeah that's and, amazing. And I love yeah, I how this a, talk has gone too. Because yes, I wanted to cover space as fake, but we've gone into this reality where the basically the illusion makers are trying to show us that we are insignificant, and and mm. even the space is fake thing. You know, it's like, well, we're just this in this Truman Show reality, and you know, the stars are just poles in the firmament and all that stuff. And that's that's the thing is that I'm glad we've gone into this bigger picture. Yeah, I'd like I like to cover a few more points with you guys, but at the same sure. time, I think that it went into a more beautiful uh, uh, conversation and just debunking so, one thing, and I really like that. So. I think the, the 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 one thing I wanted to bring up, sort of, to before we jump back onto the specific questions, yeah, there was two things there, right? So I think in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, religion really lost its hold on the broader population, okay, globally. I mean, you can say yes, people say they're Christian, but no one really goes to church anymore uh, on a, on a larger scale. Religion lost its hold. And science sort of took over as the religion, okay? And I think there's there's something in there that there's the belief in the white coat and the stethoscope. Like, that's all. You talk about cognitive dissonance and psychological profiling. They wear the white coat and the thing, it's been statistically proven, you know, proven in studies that people feel better when a doctor's wearing a white coat. It's got nothing to do with mm -hmm. the fact that uh, whether they're a doctor or not. But there's the science and religion thing that, that switched over in the late 90s, early 2000s, within our lifetime as well, where basically the churches were, well, we like to call them rock spiders down here, which basically means you, you prey on uh, underage people, basically. We don't have to go any further than that. However, when that became evident, then science took over that space. And I think that's where, like you said before, I can't remember who said it, but these people believed in 1995 that, you know, the Earth's 6,000 years old and it took five days to create and stuff like that. Once that belief system was wrenched from them because they couldn't deny the fact that it was bullshit, 
they latch onto these other things, right? And then that's that's an issue there too. Then I I, I remember the I remember the, I actually remember the day when I had the realization that nobody actually really knows, hmm. right? Everything we've talked about today, do we? If we really ask the question, do Edemus really know anything that we've said today? We actually don't, right? I remember I was walking to. I was doing a project in Papua New Guinea, but I was walking to the office in, in Brisbane City, just jumped off the train, walked down, and it hit me like a thunder, thunderbolt, like Zeus. Well, you know, God, Zeus hit you with a lightning rod too. Uh, but uh, And it was like, no one knows. Realistically, at the end of the day, no one knows. Now, if you have that realisation, most, most people don't, two, two things happen. You either get really, really scared because no one knows, right? Or it's like no one knows. That's actually awesome that no one knows because that then opens everything, right? That means everything is open for discussion. Exactly. It's wrong. And it goes to- Yeah. Let go of your belief systems, man. There is none. There is none. There is self-evident, right? There's an absolute truth and you can't know it. You can't know it. No one knows. Nobody knows. And that's the thing is we only have these interpretations of what we believe that truth to be. And we come together in a consensus and say, yeah, that sounds right. Let's put that in a book. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, yeah, yeah. David was saying something about chaos and I, and I love what you were just talking about there. Um, I actually went back to college many years ago because what I started realizing within a lot of the occult sciences was there is overlay within real science and that we had mm. to have a, a deeper understanding. So I went back to school for physics at CU Boulder. And um, I came out of it and I developed something called optimization theory. Now, I'm not going to bore people with optimization theory because it kind of gives a a fundamental framework for how reality is created. But one thing that it does is it shows us that chaos is simply the dismantling of a state or condition to a higher degree of organization, that anytime chaos occurs within a system, it's simply that system reorganizing to a higher state of optimization. Mm. And so whenever you got chaos in your life, just realize that all all that's happening is you're growing. You're growing to, and you're moving to a higher state of optimization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. It's very good. Loomis, where do you want to go now? Well, I just, I, 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 there's things we could really just jump in holes and never come out of, but let's just say I, one of the things that I don't like, I've been a, I've been a researcher of UFOlogy since I was a kid, pretty much. And, uh, this whole, you know, space field really, and throwing out that there are no ETs because space is fake or works, uh, that all the UFOlogy is garbage and then throwing out thousands of people's abduction experiences, close encounters and, mm. you know, um, but throwing out whistleblowers that have credibility and, and, you know, like writers like Emmanuel Bilkowski, uh, William Bramley, Zachariah Sitchin, Eric Mandanigan and, and Richard Dolan. And I mean, the list goes on and on, but basically saying that all those people's work was completely made up because, you know, space is fake and throwing out the ancient mythology because, because space isn't real throwing out, like we talked about with the, with the Dogon tribe or the ancient Greeks believed that space was the, the setting of their myths. And, you know, the Anunnaki came down from the heavens and, you know, all this throwing out of massive works just because, 
of this broad brush that that's been painted here that space is fake and and we just live in this this little reality and and that's one of the things i can't stand about this whole thing is that i i've been diving into this for years like all of you guys and i cannot fathom why you would want to throw all this out and just believe in and and, and it's just again that there's no that there is no uh objective truth to all this and that it's all just made up and it's a bunch of people with these crazy imaginations and and that's one thing i wanted i just wanted to say about it you know and we can go from there or we can wrap it up soon if you guys want to because we've gone a lot of cool directions that i really like that we've expanded just beyond this too because there's it's such a it's such a big talk there's so much to this maybe we can even do it again sometime but um i'll let you guys i'd be uh, done yeah, yeah. I'll let you Can guys, I say yeah. something real quick to that, sure. Loomis? Because I'm yeah. so glad you brought it up, man. You almost like, because I've, those subjects are my fun subject. I love those subjects. Yeah, I grew that's up the doing fun that stuff. too. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've, I've hung, I did a cross country tour with Richard Dolan, by the way. We were hanging out in an RV going across Canada. Um, I even smoked a doobie with him. He was super cool. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love the subject and everybody kind of has their different opinions on it, but what I loved about it was the open-mindedness of it, of, of saying, hey, you know, we've always been looking at it through the lens of either Darwinian science, where it's just a bunch of rocks floating in space, we're an anomaly, we're an accident of nature, um, or the religious perspective, where it's all realms out there somewhere, not in the physical universe, and some other domain of dimensionality that we can't understand. And yet this was a new way of saying, no, man, it's a little more nuts and bolts. I mean, there's other people living in other countries on this planet. There's other forms of life on this very planet that we live on right now. That's something you can know. Um, It's not so far out there to think that maybe a lot of what these myths and legends and these scriptures and stories we're talking about was a combination of anthropomorphizing the stars and telling the myths and all that, but also maybe recounting real occurrences of interacting people from elsewhere, right? Like, so I love that perspective, whether people believe it or not, it's just, it's, it's a very important perspective to look at. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when you say people come up with these theories to whitewash all of that, I, as you were talking, I thought of this experience of how where some Jehovah's witnesses kept coming to my place. Okay. (laughs) And I was the guy in the neighborhood I loved that because I study a lot of religion and stuff. And I was the kind of guy, I wouldn't just slam the door. I'd go here, let's pull up a chair. I want some coffee. Let's talk. I'd yeah, love yeah, to yeah. talk. Do you want a drink? Yeah, I've done yeah. that. I want to know why you think what you think, right? Absolutely. And uh, they would sit and give me the whole spiel. And this one girl, I could tell she was like in training, right? And she just looked at me because I kept challenging the guy who was like her mentor and just bringing up little pieces and stuff. I didn't even get to the point that, you know, the whole thing was set up by Masonic orders or whatever, but I just started getting there and I'm like, maybe you could question some of this stuff and there's other perspectives. And she just went, you know what? She kind of had this frustrated moment with me. She just went, it's simple. This is simple. What you're talking about is so complicated and big. And I mean, (laughs) this is simple. And the reason I thought of that when you were talking was, I think that's what people are doing, man. That's exactly what ability to have nuanced thought. The ability to have theories just to play off your belief system, just to test it, or even to expand your thinking, that is a very complicated process. You're also going to face your shadow during that process. You're going to face your demons. You're going to face your doubts. You're going to face your own um, cognitive dissonance, which is painful. It's actually physically painful to go through. Um, And so I can understand her. And I looked at her with empathy and I went, 
I didn't want to burst your bubble. I'm so sorry. Like, I get it. You want a simple life. You want one perspective with that's a book that has all the answers. And this guy is your cult lead. Okay. But I sit back and I went, there's certain people on the planet. I don't know why throughout history. And even to this moment, what makes us sitting here right now, enjoying this discussion about all these crazy subjects. And then so many people that they're like, what are you talking about? I just want to know what's coming up on meet the Kardashians, man. I have something simple. You know, I want the, priest to tell me what's going on or whatever. Biden's going to tell me what's going on. And I think that's what happened with this pandemic. It's simple. We have the CDC, the World Economic, the World Health Organization, Anthony Fauci, Justin Trudeau. They are the ones that are going to give me the prescription for life. It's simple. And, that, and then that's you go, what happens to traumatized victims. Yes, that's right. Yeah. There's a cognitive. Yeah. Take it away from that, there, guys. Oh, man, you did a lot. Um, space is fake. No, it's not. Space, <laughs> But it's simple. Uh, but it's, it's simple. simple. Wouldn't it be simple? I tell you what, I, I do want to share this with you boys. Oh, can you? Am I allowed to share, Loomis? You just disable uh, sharing. We're not let. Uh, can oh, we oh. share information around you, here, man? No, yeah, it's you can. Um, I disable <laughs> it as long as yeah. it's not porn or something. Um, no, no, no. Um, multiple participants look, can share porn. simultaneously. Here's a question. Here's a question. Here's a question. I'd love to ask you boys. It's and again, we we we. I love this conversation. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you, gentlemen, today. It's been really great. My pleasure. Uh, do you think, I mean, when we talk about these ancient civilizations, we talk about this sort of stuff. One of the ideas I've been playing with, because I, I see it in Loomis, and me and Loomis have had this discussion as well. It's like, is there a genetic memory? Like, are we, are we of the survivors of the previous civilization, right? Do we hail from back past then? And we know, we know there's more to this. We know that I think it was Jung that said the fact that science and spirituality are deemed separate does a disservice to them both because mm, they exist one. They exist as one, right? And I do think that these that previous advanced culture, that was one of the last times where science and spirituality was one, right? Because they had the ability to move a thousand ton stones. If we want to have a discussion about how they did that. But anyway, um, this is the, the, the science and spirituality and the balance and I've often, do you know what I thought many times during the chaos that just took place? Maybe ignorance is bliss. Mm. I did have that thought. And, you know, through that traumatic process dealing with your demons, like Dave said, it's physically painful, right? You people will, pur I purged a couple of times this year randomly. And I'm like, why did I, pur I purge? Because I was dealing with the, the depths of some of the trauma in my being. It, it, there's a physical manifestation of that. And people don't want to do it, man. You know, they just don't. It, it is easier to be lazy. It is easier to not question. However, it's also what makes me alive, right? You know what I mean? That this is absolutely when so, I started ramping up for this show. I'm like, man, this this is cool. Like this is this is why I do this. You know, we're not getting paid for this, boys. You know, we're just here having a good time because exploring consciousness and ideas is the fruit of life, and maybe. We understood once upon a time. Maybe there's a genetic DNA memory. I don't know. What do you boys think about that? That's a just that's uh, off the topic. But I, I, I also want idea. to show you a meteorite. I also want to show you a meteorite tumbling through space to prove to you that space is. I love the idea, and it actually directly fits into a lot of the uh, the research that I've done within my life. There is a guy out there by the name of Dr. Martin Blank, and in 2014, he published two very, very important um, peer-reviewed studies. One of them is called um, DNA is an electromagnetic transducer, and DNA is a fractal antenna. 
And he shows conclusively that DNA is transmitting and receiving signals within the 30, what is it, 24 to 32 gigahertz range. That's a microwave range. It's also the first channel of 5G, as well as that if you Whoa. chop up DNA in half, it'll still transmit and receive those signals, although it would be degraded, right? But it's fractal in its nature. Um, and when we start looking at like junk DNA, I think that there is a um, variation encoded within junk DNA of our lineage, of all of our incarnations that we hold and bring along with us and that we can unlock it. And I'm actually, um, I've been, I have a private social network of about 8,000 people and I'm very, very like, uh, we talk a lot about a lot of these things. And one thing that a few of us have been doing is trying to figure out how to unlock that DNA, which if we understand that the the mind and the body are in in this coherence and that the dna is simply this this switch that exists within that coherence then there should be some way to initiate that um and myself i wear this uh this bracelet right here this bracelet was given to me in 2009 i still have it it's just a regular bracelet it was given me in 2009 by a gentleman that I met. And when I met him, um, he was getting, his brother had just died. His brother was a world-renowned herbologist. His brother just died. He gave up all of his companies, gave up his house, um, gave up all of his worldly possessions. He was going to go travel the world. He was in Thailand at the Sleeping Buddha Temple. And the head monk there, the head Rapanche, um, called him in the back and said, I've been waiting for you. He had no idea who this guy was. And he goes, I have something for you. And he gave him a box with two bracelets that he had blessed. And he goes, this is for that other person that it, you are connected to through lives. And so he calls me up when he gets back into the United States. And he's like, I got to see you. I'm like, okay. And this is like, you know, I, I'm five, eight. This is like a six foot four blonde haired, blue eyed, 50 year old man. I'm still in my twenties. And I'm like, okay, what, what's up? You know? And the night before I go to meet him, he's, uh, he kind of like, I got, I, you know, I want to tell you about my trip and stuff like that. I went into a meditation. I'm like, how do I know him? Where do I know him from? And I used to be able to go into these deep trance, like meditations. I just, I can do it. I just haven't tried it in a long time. Um, and I went into this meditation and I kind of opened my eyes and I'm wearing full Roman battle armor. And he's right next to me wearing full Roman battle armor. He's a general and I'm his under general. And we're holding hands and we're saying a prayer in Latin. And we say to each other, if we shall die in this life, shall we meet each other in the next? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I come out of it. Tears are coming down my eyes. I'm like, man, how do I tell this guy this, you know, this story? And I go to meet him at a coffee house. I walk in and on the table at the coffee house is this little wooden box. And I go there and he starts telling me the story about how he's there and he meets the Hebra Panche at the Sleeping Buddha Temple and he gives him these two bracelets. I'm like, cool, dude, like, who is it? Who is it? Right. And he opens it up and he hands me one of the bracelets. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is weird. This is just too, seren you know, too synchronized. Right. Where do we know each other from? And he looks me dead in the eyes and I haven't said a word to him. He goes, you know, I've been getting this feeling inside myself that we were Roman soldiers and that we, we made this pact that if we died in that life, that we would meet each other in the next. Yeah. And I just started bawling. But that's what this symbol right here, mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. this represents to me. And mm -hmm. so since then, 
Um, I've gone through many different things in my life, different initiations, and I've unlocked what I believe to be various past lives mm-hmm. and, and having the, the, the ability to reach into myself and pull that knowledge out. Cause I believe it exists within our DNA. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an awesome story, wow, man. I really never, awesome. I didn't hear that one. That's I've, I've, a- I've um, well, here's a question. Cause it'll, well, first of all, I'll do two things. The people that are at the top of business, finance, investing, these, these elites that we study, you can read, I'm surrounded by books of their own writings and you, you can see it coming through even some of the stuff Josh was talking about from these occult teachings and some of these ancient religions. They believe this shit. They purify their own genetic lines to keep them intact. Why would they do that? What is the purpose? What is all this stuff about blue keeping bloods. the bloodline and pure, right? So if they're, we call them the blue bloods for a reason, because they believe they're keeping their bloodline intact. It's gotten to the point where it's like incest and all that shit, right? Um, and so there's a belief within even the dark occult circles and even some of these satanic networks and whatnot about blood. They're, they're fascinated by the blood. I mean, even religion, look at the, the blood of Christ and all that blood, blood, blood. Well, what are they talking about? I think they're talking about that philo- philogenetic race memory to keep the story of their lineage alive and that it's been diluted, right? As we've all been intersecting over history in some senses, but that when you get into the epigenetic world and studying epigenetics and you get into people like Bruce Lipton or, um, uh, his name's escaping me, but morphogenic field, right? These guys, there's a connection on a deeper level that expresses itself through a physicality, but that what I think we used to just call spiritual, but that I think is the memory of the past. And that actually fits, fits in wonderfully to this idea that humanity is a traumatized species on one level because ancient our ancient ancestors experienced past traumas and cataclysms that I think affected our development. And there's still a memory of that, but there's also a memory of all the good things as well. And then imagine your own life and then possible past lives. So that all to say, if it's good enough for the people at the top of the hill, they believe in this shit, then why should we go and scoff at it? Right? So that's one point. And then the next thing is ask each and every one of you, how long have you been sort of the black sheep? How long in your life can you remember where you were always asking questions and you looked up at the sky and were like in awe of it, not in fear of it. And you were the one that was always asking the questions. For me, day one, um, I talked to a lot of other people in this work and not to say we knew everything, but there was always a deep curiosity about life. And I think, and then I talked to other people, dude. There's no curiosity whatsoever. There's, they're just like this. You see, the light's not on. The light, the light's not on, man. The light's not on. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was yeah. day one. What about you guys? Well, you, you said uh, you you said morphogenic fields. You're talking about Rupert Sheldrake there. Ah, mm-hmm. Rupert Sheldrake. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's that's the I thought it was Sheldrake. Yeah. I, I wanted to touch on this real quick because we were just talking about blood. Eighty-five percent of your blood is water. Did you know that your DNA is actually surrounded by complex structures of water? And now go back to the whole idea of structured water and how water contains and holds information. Even when those droplets move out, that that, that containment, that structure is still there as new water moves in. Mm. And so now take that in the idea of lineage and and genetic memory. Wow. 
And water has memory, right? Uh, well, and then of there's the bloodlines. What's his name? Of Dr. Emoto? Keeping them pure. Yeah, Dr. Emoto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, keeping the bloodlines pure. Memory, what if it was yeah. about the structuring of the blood because of the water within it? The holy water. The holy and water. Where, yeah. And where did the water come from? That's another question too. You know what I mean? That that would that would lead into ah, wow. There's a that's an interesting. That's a rabbit hole. Huh? That yeah, this leads us to the so, next podcast. So, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a rabbit. So, so, so me, Josh, okay. so, Josh, did you did you always believe in this too? Like, were you from day one like David, or what? What took you down this rabbit hole to, or were you always like curious? Um, LSD. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so right. yeah. I'm writing my first book. I've been writing it for about two and a half years now. It's called uh, Transcending the State. What I learned from over 150 LSD trips before the age of 18. Oh, shit. Probably about <laughs> 10 times that. Um, but at the age of 13, I dropped my first LSD um, and then sat down with Dr. Mishio Kaku's Hyperspace. It's a book that he wrote about string theory. Um, then I went and watched the movie The Matrix when it came out. And um, then I sat down and started reading the Bible one night when I was having a bad trip. And uh, I, I realized in the beginning of the Bible, there were some major problems of contradiction. And that caused me to start researching the etymology of where these English words derive from in the sense of the, the Greek or the Hebrew translation and how they got switched. Because in, in the first verse, God, on the first days, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. That last term, void and without for, uh, form, is actually tohu bavohu in Hebrew, which means desolate and without life. Void and without form and desolate without life are two completely two, two, yeah. different conceptualizations. In the English inscription, um, on the first day, he creates everything. And then all, at the same time, it's void and without form means on the first day, there's everything. And then there's also nothing, which is Buddhism. And so this is what really started to drive me. Um, as well as I, I mean, I wasn't a Christian. I, I grew up Presbyterian. I'd go to Sunday school, all these stuff, but I just never believed the story. It, the story didn't seem realistic to me. And it wasn't until I started kind of delving into psychotropics that my mind began to expand and I be, began to understand, feel, and see the greater nature. There was one LSD trip I remember in particular. And, uh, this happens every time when you're on psychedelics. So the walls breathe, everything breathes yeah. stuff. Right. But have you ever put yourself in the rhythmic balance of that breathing in the sense that your heartbeat, your breath, the, the, the resonation that's coming off of you, the walls, the air, everything is all resonating together within that wave function. It is one of the most spiritual and mystic experiences I've ever had on LSD to where everything that was happening within me was in accordance to everything that was happening in nature. There's this rhythmic You're relation. In the vibration. You're in That's the right. vibration. Yeah. Wow. And, and later on in life, um, I write this blog post. It's called A Dance I Saw the Universe Do. And it's about how... Um, it was the, it was the end of the night and I had taken a little bit of mushroom and I'm watching a fire burn out. So it's like four o'clock in the morning, the fire's out and you're down to the, just these, these ambers and coals. And what you see is you see one side of the ambers flare up, right? And everything else gets dimmer and then something else flares up. And then that side gets dimmer. 
And what you realize is that there's this relationship of exchange is that when that flare up happens, it's being caused by all the other ambers around it, giving it energy that causes it to flare up. And then it transfers its energy to the next hot, the next lowest energy state to keep that one to go up. And then they transfer that energy back to the next lowest energy, the ambers that are at the lowest energy state to get that one back up. And it's just this dance back and forth to keep the ambers going, to keep the fire going, to keep the exchange of energy going by transferring this massive amount of heat back to the ambers that are at the lowest energy states. And so it's this dance that's how the universe do it. It reminded me of that time where there was this syncopation, this dance that was happening around me, but I was a part of it. I was a piece of it. I was, I was resonant within it. I was in the vibe with it. And that, that's the thing is we don't need LSD to realize that we're in that dance. We're in that dance right now. We just have to come to that realization. And I think that's one of the things that we've lost in, in humanity. But that's, that's kind of where my big awakenings came from. Awesome. Right. And Triffin, what about you with your... Oh, look, day one, man. I'm the, I'm the perennial black sheep for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, without a doubt. No, I, I got kicked out of Sunday school. I can remember... <laughs> I can remember there was like a young girl, again, like another one of these young girls in training telling the kids the, the, the Bible stories. And I'd even at that, you know, four or five, I can remember asking her questions about what did the animals eat on the boat and, you know, just kids' questions. But, yeah, I got kicked out of Sunday school. Uh, but I've had a, you know, I pulled that, uh, you know, where I put it there. Yeah, I think this is, a, this is from 1993 or something like that. Right, that's my one of my. I bought that with some of my first money from when I worked a job. So always, always thinking been, outside the box. Yeah. Always, man. Oh, and, it, and yeah, I mean, even at school and stuff, I used to get in trouble for just writing answers down instead of showing working out, and then showing my working out and it didn't make sense to the teacher. I'm like, well, that's the answer, man. You know what I mean? Like, what do you, what are we even doing here? You know, like, um, yeah. So I've always been that. I mean, I've had some key psychedelic experiences. I look. I sit here today talking to you guys because of a DMT experience for sure. Uh, I got stuck in a pretty dark place in my twenties and was off the well off the path that I was supposed to be on. And yeah, there's honestly in my life there's before I did DMT and then there's after. Um, always been curious. The research has always been happening. However, that realization of um, love, universal love, is what my first DMT experience showed me was the universal love source energy and and that then led me to hear to you boys. You know what I mean? I think, oh, but yeah, I've always been curious. I've always, I've always had like books of writings and random stuff all over the place. You know, I mean, I mean, I've written a book that I've never released, and I've, you know, there's, there's too many folders that deep dive into so many different rabbit holes. But I mean, you talk about that genetic memory. I was thinking, I was thinking, boys, let's bring it back to the now because that's actually all there is. Half of us didn't know each other before today. How many hours in are we, by the way? I don't even know uh, anymore. Uh, almost two. Almost two. Yeah, right. So <laughs> half of us didn't know each other and we're across the planet and we're sitting here expanding on all these amazing discussions and conversations and, you know, your perspectives have, have, have sparked things in me. My perspective has sparked things in you. You know, were we supposed to meet? You know what I mean? That's that with a, with a conversation that has been as easygoing as this, through multiple levels and dimensions of experience, 
there's a, there's that as well because you were talking, Josh, about how do we access that higher self, right? That be that higher self. It's fascinating you should say that because that was the aim of my uh, journey, right? I, at the end of this process, I was like, I'm going to do – and it wasn't a crazy psychedelic. It was a philosopher's stone truffle uh, inside Kakao, and we had a, a proper shaman who journeyed with us and took us through. It was beautiful, amazing. However, my intention was to meet my higher self. And on the night, I had a pretty disappointing experience, if I'm honest, right? However, the further I've gotten away from it, I mean, I did talk to a tree, that vibe that Josh talked about. I remember standing outside and seeing the tree vibrate and seeing the energy of that tree. And I remember melding with that, but it wasn't communic- It wasn't English or verbal communication, but I definitely connected and spoke to a tree that night. It was pretty crazy. And I remember seeing dancing stuff, but the key is when we sit and do our work, whatever that work is, right? I mean, we're all called to do a certain thing. We spoke about it before we turned the to, before we turned the button on. My calling is the ancient stones and the crystals and the megaliths, and, and I am obsessed with that stuff. It doesn't matter what I do. I can go down a thousand other rabbit holes, but it all comes back to that. Why am I obsessed with that? You know? You talk about past life regressions. I was doing some work, and I think it turns out that I used to be a custodian of standing stones once upon a time, right? Which would make sense as to why, you know, you, you have a conversation with me for twenty minutes, and I'll start talking about standing stones and alignments. You know, these these things that we exist in. But when we do the pure work, and you boys know what your calling is, right? You do a thousand other things, but there's one thing that gives you that thing, right? When you're in that space and you're doing that work, you are your higher self, boys. That is that vibration. You are accessing that junk DNA, that whatever we're talking about here, the God self, it's all the same. Everything's the same. And when you are doing your work and sitting in the moment in the purity of your work, that is your higher self, boys. You are accessing that, you know, and that's... I agree. You need that. Uh, and you you answer that calling, you know, and mm. that's, I think a lot of people don't even know there's a calling happening, you know, but mm. for some reason, certain people are attracted to these kinds of things. And it, no matter what subject it is that gravity for you, it's standing stones and archaeology and history and, mm. you know, and everybody has their bit, but there's, there's that part of you that needs to express it, needs to be curious about the curiosity is what makes me fascinated as to what drives people to go to that next level where they're going to dedicate their lives, even if it's a hobby, but they're going to dedicate their lives to answering that question or exploring that. That's incredible. You know, Loomis, what's, what about you? What's your, were you the black sheep? Was it always questions for you? Yeah. I always questioned everything from way back, you know, um, and never fit in in school, stared out the window, thought about everything else that was cool. And then what happened when I became an adult is the world shocked me. I hated everything about like the system and I didn't know why, but I ended up doing on the psychedelic trip, just like you guys did. And the psychedelics paid me a path to said, cause I, I, I'm a musician and I wanted to do music. And I said, fuck the system. I don't care if I live off credit cards or savings or sell weed or whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do because otherwise I'm going to do somebody else's dream. And on that process, I ended up being a roommate in a place 
where there was a guy that was in a revolving door. And my, my, my listeners have heard this stuff a lot of times, so I'll keep it simple. But basically, this guy was a high up guy in the USDA that would had stopped working there and he's building a house for his family. And he felt the need to tell me about how the world really works. And when he did that, it was like I was sitting next to David Icke or Michael Desarian because this guy somehow, I don't know if he was, you know, how he knew all this stuff because I didn't know the questions to ask at the time. This is in 1999, but he was telling me, you know, everything about how the world works and it all just clicked like that. Everything made sense. And so this guy kind of, when I think about it, he found me. And then that set me on the path. He told me that 9-11 was going to happen. This is a 99. And then in 2001, well, he didn't tell me when, but he's like, watch, this big thing is going to happen. And I was like, oh, shit. And then that really set me on fire. And then in 2008, I met another insider randomly through my ex-wife who is at a playground that said, that um, there's a guy that talks about chemtrails all the time. You should talk to him because you're into that too. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll talk to him. You know, uh, it's like, I thought I was going to have to tell him some stuff because I thought I knew a lot. And it turns out he was, uh, he was a son of a uh, CIA contracted scientist. And he told me all this other info. And so I never looked for this information. It came to me. And because mm-hmm. it came to me, I felt like, I'm this soul that needed to meet these people at these times in order to do what we're doing now and give out the great work, the great information, because, um, you know, I, I don't think I can't see anything more important than giving out this information in this crucial time right now. So that's kind of what happened to me is that it just, I, I got awoken at a point I was able to uh, assimilate the information because of the psychedelics that opened my mind and expanded it enough to be able to get out of the, the system bubble and realize that in a particular time in my life that I can, I can learn this information and totally just snap within me. So, um, you know, I never went looking for it. It came to me and all that wonder as a kid, then looking up at the stars and stuff all came into this too. So it all came into one perspective because as we know, all this inner joins in our lot. So yeah, that's, that's what happened to me. And um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. We should probably start wrapping it up because yeah, I was going to say, you know, know. Yeah, we'll, and we'll we could go on it. forever. And I don't mind doing this again anytime. But <laughs> well, let's do it again. I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, I'm in. Yeah, yeah let's okay. do that. Awesome. Awesome. That was brilliant, yeah. guys. That was fun. Face is fake and fun. Earth is flat, and just you know, don't don't <laughs> hey, look make it up your boys. own minds. Yeah, don't trust us. Make up your own minds. I mean, yeah, boys. Here, I want to. I do. I do want to show you this because it's super cool. Let's wrap it up with this rock. So, see, all right. So, see this here. This is actually a meteorite tumbling through space. Now, it's a a classic Aussie story, right? So, we, I've got a look, it's only a, it's an eight inch telescope. I could plug my DSLR. It's clearly Photoshop, though. Like, look at the, oh, it's it's, it's totally (laughs) fake for sure. It's in the firmament. Uh, What's the origin of the photo? Just because everybody's going to get off the firmament. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you the origin of the photo. It's me and a mate. Uh, smoking a joint at the back of a lawn farm and pointing the telescope up at Orion's belt. Okay. So this is oh, the wow. middle star of Orion's belt. Okay. Nice. And literally I had a 10 shot burst set, right? And like, you know, five second aperture, 10 shot burst, just hit the button and I just walked away. Right. I was just messing. We we're just playing around. Anyway, took it to the, cause we're, I'm like, what is this? Right. You can see it tumbling. Right. I'm like, what is this? And they say that aliens don't exist. But I tell you what, boys, the, the the bloke at the telescope shop, if he wasn't an alien, I'm not too sure what was. But 
he <laughs> definitely wasn't from around here, but he uh, said, you've actually just captured a meteorite tumbling through space. Now, I'm going to draw out. So I'm just going to, but watch this. You tell me space isn't, space is fake, right? I'm just going to expand in first, gents. Watch this. You're telling me space is fake? What is that? Every single one of those dots is a star, which is a planet, which is, and it just never, ever ends. Okay. Right. Like that's that. You go bang like that. Right. That, I mean, just look at that. Yeah. And tell me that's fake. I tell, I, people to so, go, I tell people to go to, usually there's always these local astronomy clubs. These guys have really high power telescopes. They know their stuff and you just mm. go, I, this is what I did. I went and started just talking to these people, got to know them. And mm. they would be like, here, let me show you. I've been looking at the moon this whole week, or we've been looking at this star or this cluster over here. And you can, you can get involved with, if people want like the proofs are like, oh, we can never know. There's ways to know shit. You just got to get out and talk to the right people, get some equipment. You showed one picture. I'm sure there's a billion pictures we could look at that mm-hmm. uh, show you. Well, that hey, was, ta- honestly, that was taken 500 meters, you know, like a few Ks from my house. Wow. And that's just me and a mate messing around. You know what I mean? We weren't, yeah. we're just going to have some fun, look at the stars and see what happened. And that was the earth is change. flat said no astrophysicist, astronomer, cosmologist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the the kind of leave you guys with this is that, you know, we talked a lot about truth and a lot about uh, various things. And I think that's really what this comes down to is that yeah. we all come to the understanding that what is happening in this world is this, this uh, perpetuation of spiritual and information and psychological warfare. And that at the end of the day, I, I talk about the word evolution. And for me, I have to define everything. If I'm, if I'm talking about a word, if I'm utilizing it in my vocabulary, I have to have a meaningful definition for that word that I accept within myself. And I wanted to share this is that evolution to me is learning something that you did not know that you did not know. And if you think about it, in all points of spiritual, mental, and physical evolution that have occurred throughout all of history, even if we you know, don't believe in the Darwinian theory of evolution, we know that things evolve. They adapt to their environment and they grow within their environment. And that for me, that comes only through this process of learning something that you did not know that you did not know. And it's only through those things that we did not know that we did not know can we grow in advance within our being spiritually, mentally, and physically. Awesome. That's a awesome. brilliant segue to finish it up. That was awesome. Joe, so, boys, this was a pleasure. Very uh, nice. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to all of you. We talked about so many subjects and, uh, you know, I think we gave people a lot of, to think about. So, think so thanks for having me on. This Absolutely. was great. Yeah. You guys uh, want to plug you. your, uh, your, uh, your shows and everything? Um, David, your truth warrior. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do a podcast you weekly. Uh, you can get it at dwtruthwarrior.com. Uh, I'm on rumble. My main uh, social media is telegram. DW truth warrior is my handle. I'm on Twitter, still battling it out. Um, and I'm also working on a documentary series called cult of the medics. There's seven chapters that are available. They're available for free. Um, and we're getting into the occult history of the medical industrial complex and then for my premium show that I do with Michael Tessarian, who's a good friend, mentor, um, and we do that on Unslaved. So we call it unslaved.com. And uh, there's a small fee for it, but it's information and research and concepts you're never going to hear anywhere else. And that's where you can find all my things. Awesome. Tristan? 
Yeah, I'm locking the code. Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm embracing Twitter. As I said, social media is a fine concept. I do need to jump on with you boys and, and do some different stuff. However, yeah, at the moment, we are continuing down the rabbit hole of the, the megalithic stuff. We're in the middle of reading a book uh, and exploring that. We've got some research trips coming up. And yeah, yeah, on Instagram, Twitter, Unlocking the Code. I'm on all, all the podcast apps. Just honestly, boys, I really appreciate the invitation and uh, yeah, thank you all for your time. It's, uh, it's been very cool. Uh, and Absolutely. yeah, I wasn't sure about doing today, honestly, because of the the piece that I've been feeling like, hey, do I need to do this? But I'm really happy that I did. And uh, yeah, I've, I've listened to Josh before, so I know about his stuff, uh, the, the optimization principle, like I, I'm across that, man. That's, uh, that's, that's where I'd heard you and that's awesome. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping in Dave's stuff and would love to do some more work in the future. Thank you. And Josh. All right. I do um, a radio show called the dark delight show that airs on 1040 AM WISL in Western New York. You can also find the rebroadcast of that on uh, red pill radio dot online. Um, you can find most of our stuff at redpills.tv. I do uh, two different podcasts and another TV show throughout the week. I do the Daily Dose, which is Monday through Thursday. Uh, that's more of the geopolitical, geomilitaristic um, aspect of what I call the unfolding global conspiracy of the World Economic Forum, infiltration of communism into the world. And then on Friday nights, I do shows very much similar to this called Conversations on the Fringe, where we have a wide range of guests. David and I have known to be doing marathons there for six to eight hours sometimes. Um, but we talk about all different types of things from UFOs, aliens, alternative universes, consciousness, mind, um, you know, psi phenomena, whatever it might be. And then uh, we also have another uh, two other shows on my channel, redpills.tv. We do um, morning coffee. There's two other hosts that do that one. And then there's makes you think on Saturday nights, which has a wide range of different co-hosts and guests. And they talk about, they deep dive into the various conspiracy theories, but you can find all of that, including the dark delight show at redpills.tv. That is the URL. Awesome. Thanks guys for coming on. That was a really awesome conversation. It went so much more beyond than I expected it to. And I'm glad that it did because it just shows how, how big this world really is. And if you think space is fake by now, I, I, I mean, you can believe what you want, but I think we figured it out. So thanks guys. Thanks gents. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Honey, guys. Thank you. Freedom. Coming from wisdom outside the system and then some. This is the mouthpiece of the natural earth forgotten. At this point in time, humanity's been kept from the truth. So Chen it Down Radio offers the coordinates to a path out. You're searching for something whole. Cause what you see, real life. You're watching this world unfold. The truth in need to last. Rekindling what's been stole. The need to free one's mind. Uncover the truth exposed. So people see the light. Let's shut it down so we can know. It's simple, we just break it down a little bit so we can process all. Make the switch to elevate yourself to conscious mode. And it's benefit so we can get this kind of frozen. And get the future generators want to stop the whole thing with the message demons ready we can start a post taking in the simulator and getting lots of numbers waking up the possibility to try to stop hypnosis